Welcome to Drunk Church History, hosted here in St. Arnold's Pub. Home to good stories, tasty brews, and Josh taking over the Pastors Podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Inglorious Pastors Podcast. Absolutely not. (laughs) Where we talk about spirituality, news, and self-defense against murder hornets. Um, I don't know what that is, Josh. I don't know what you're talking about, so you need to just not. My name is Michael Basinger. With me are Matt, or Brad Polly. Hey! Uh, Matt Polly is uh, in Casper. Matt's dad. Yeah. R.I.P. Joshua Casey. Yo. Uh, together we are the Inglorious Bastards. We are currently sitting in Matt's garage without Matt. Yeah. Matt showed up. He looked like death, and we're like, "Hey, buddy, you need you need to go lay down." We basically told him you're not doing this. I'm podcast not saying we didn't. Tonight, ki- so. I'm not saying we kicked him off the podcast, but like he looked like death. Maybe he swallowed some of the like metal shards. This, this from is this the morning. last thing he should work. have been doing yeah, tonight. So it was like, dude, go to bed. Seriously, yeah, you need to go. Uh, so Josh, we texted as we 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 did the interview first, and we texted him at six fifty five, and and he like we start at seven, so at six fifty five we te- called him and like, hey, you wanna you wanna come on up here? And so, Mik- Michaela was like, sure, if you wait till seven thirty. Like, right. We've got some really <laughs> good out. bourbon, Josh. Come Ooh, on up. Yeah. <laughs> um. Indeed. So yeah, here we go. Let's go. Uh, what are you drinking? Hey 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 hey. hey. What are you drinking? Hey, hey, I've been thinking that if we're gonna get through this, we're gonna need some fluid. So hey, hey, what are you drinking now? It's by uh, Brian Odeen. Yeah. Friend of the podcast, Brian Odeen. He's got a new album out right now. Go check it out. Brian Odeen. What's the album called, Michael? Um, I was gonna look at look it up. I, we'll talk about it later. I got it. I got it in the, for the music segment. Oh, we'll okay, gotcha. Uh, what are we drinking? Okay, so um, first thing uh, is Old Carter Whiskey Company uh, from Frankfort, Kentucky. Uh, this is a this is their twelve uh, year old bourbon. <laughs> so it's a single barrel. We I've I've seen this kind. Of, I've seen this online old carter and i've never seen it anywhere and i happened to be in a liquor store in kentucky for i was working and i was like oh i'm gonna look up a liquor store just because it's in kentucky so yeah but maybe we can find something you know interesting there and i could not believe they had like four bottles of this there's only there are less than 2500 bottles of this bourbon in existence damn yeah um, I should have gotten a bigger drink then. It yeah. is. Uh, no, you absolutely shouldn't have. <laughs> um, You're cut off, Josh. That's it. You get uh, a fingernail. So um, anyway, so this is, um, it's 59.8% alcohol. Yeah. You would not know it by drinking it. No, I will it's, say it's that. smooth for, for that Crazy smooth. Uh, it's it's nice. I'm not going to say how much I paid for it because my God. Hey, Josh, but, the price tag's still on the back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then we are having thanks I patrons up, at patreon.com slash bastards podcast I picked up a few things uh, today I was over in Illinois for work and uh, stopped by my absolute favorite liquor store uh, Benny's love Benny's um, and this is from Central Waters Brewing Company in Amherst Wisconsin apparently uh, this is a salted maple stout have you tried like it yet? Like a beer have you tried over it yet? central water. No. Yes, I have. It's quite tasty. Is it? Yeah. Yep. It's, it's salty. It's not It's not as sweet as I was afraid it was going to be. 
Maple beers usually are too sweet for me. Speaking of oh, salty, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of salty, uh, salty and uh, the Veggie Tales showed up in Rick and Morty this past week. Did yeah, it really? I know. Oh, man, it was in be- Jesus too. It's, it's pretty great. I've just started watching Rick and Morty. Oh, actually, man, it's he's got another. Uh, Justin Roiland has another show on. Hulu. Yeah, I watched the first episode. Solar, op- yeah, solar po- opposites. Solar opposites. Yeah, yeah. It's boy, phenomenal. it is really something. Um, uh, but yeah, that man, that beer is really interesting. Yep. Yeah, I wasn't it's, sure how I was I'd afraid feel. it was going to be too sweet. I was too, but it's not. But you can definitely get a little hint of salt in that. That's nice. Also, uh, this is Fat Pastards. Uh, Josh, tell us what you brought us. Yeah, what did you bring us? Um, the most basic thing ever. It's just a brownie mix with Andy's mints on top, but goddamn if it's not amazing. Yeah, it's pretty. I, I'm sorry, never, but you cannot beat a brownie. No, you just can't. Well, and I've never had a better. You can brownie. ruin a brownie. That's a damn yeah. Brownie. The thing is, I've never had a homemade brownie better than what one I can make on a mix. Like cookies, homemade yeah, all the way. I but agree. No, I agree. Hundred percent. Mixes are fantastic for brownies. Yep. Oh man, announcements. Um, we dropped a shit ton of hot content this past yep. week. Uh, four different. Um, podcast spinoff podcast uh patreon.com slash pastors podcast um we had pastors time machine which is an old sermon series from from when we had a church plant um we did the response to dick pounder's grief um (laughs) so that's up uh we did hymns of reconstruction which is basically songs that i like throughout the spiritual uh i don't know travels of my life uh, and, and just my commentary on those songs. Um, and then uh, the pa- Pastors Do Merton, so where we go through a uh, new season of contemplation right. with Thomas Merton. He's not on the podcast, but we talked no. about him. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's dead. That'd be yes. kind of tough. He is dead. <laughs> he died quite um, a long time ago. Yeah. So uh, do we want to do, uh, do you have Poetry Corner? Or you? Oh, no, nah, don't worry about okay. it. Don't worry All right. about it. Um, well, I'm glad I got that Mr. Brightside off the thing for, for uh, from Matt. Uh because he, we wouldn't have it if we didn't. You're listening to "Look on the Bright Side" with Always Mr. Brightside himself, Joshua Casey. That means he has to if go first. Seems jolly rotten. There's something you forgot. I got that. And that's to laugh. All right, what do you got, Josh? Um, so this weekend, uh, my wife Michaela officially graduated yeah, from man. college, Woo! and I, first off, I'm just like super proud of her because she started this this journey like 12 years ago more actually more than that cause she crazy, started man. yeah um and then because she's because we were ev- evangelical christians she stopped going to college to become my baby factory um <laughs> and then later we decided that wasn't she a good was idea she was very <laughs> underpaid so um she went back and started here at IU and uh, graduated with her bachelor's of social work. She'll have a year of mat to get a master's, and um, I was going to ask if she was going to get a master's. That's yeah, awesome. yeah. So she'll it's a one year like accelerated program. So it's I mean it's just the woman is just a just a bam. Cool. Like, another another one of our another one of our wives that are smarter than us. Goddamn! Like the <laughs> like I mean the shit that she gets done compared to the shit that I don't get done is. It's just incredible. So I held a uh, like a a Zoom graduation for her, and you know had her uh, yeah, like sorry we gave we that. speeches. Yeah, I mean I, I told you the morning. Enough, so. I will yeah. I will say you told us about three hours the before, before it yeah. happens. Yeah. I kind of well it was kind of late last minute to decide to have other people on there and, than and just I, family. I remembered three hours after it was over. Like, <laughs> uh, oh shit! 
So, so we I had a little when you remembered. So. Yeah, had a little graduation for it. It was a lot of fun. Um, and then and then Mother's Day was the next day. And mm-hmm. so these brownies actually that we're having, Leland, um, our middle child, he it was God, his idea. Leland. He wanted to make brownies for her, but he specifically wanted to make them in the shape of hearts. So we <laughs> like he made a box for her out of paper. And so then and then like and so we made the brownies. We cut them into heart shapes and put them in the in the box so that he could give them to her. And like he double checked his. Hey, mom, I got you some heart shaped right? brownies. <laughs> he double checked his spelling so that he made sure he spelled like "I love you, mom." Lee, love Leland on well, there. Man, I mean, just awesome. the kid is just—he's either gonna cuss you out and like stab you while you sleep, or he's gonna he be is, the sweetest person he is in the world. So freaking great. He he. When he talks, I love his voice. He yeah. sounds like he Tom Waits. He man. sounds like a kid version of Tom Waits. <laughs> yeah, he That's sounds like he smokes ever. like four yeah, packs yeah, exactly. a day. Yeah, like a kid version Unfiltered. of Tom Waits. Yeah. <laughs> I want to fuck you up, right? <laughs> Um, uh, Brad, what do you, you got? Any bright sides? Yeah. Uh, I lost six pounds this week. What? Nice. I don't know how. Well, I know how. I did. I started back on Weight Watchers. So, uh, I did Weight Watchers a few months ago. I lost about 17, 18 pounds, something like that. Yeah. I gained 15 of that back pretty quick. <laughs> oh, shit. Once the, uh, and I was just, honestly, I was just feeling like crap. Yeah. Like, again, I was just yeah. like, ugh. Like, and I've, I've had, my prostate issues. I've had my health issues. Yeah. Like, it and was then like, okay, not to mention so, the state the world is in right now. It, yeah. Well, but I'm, what I'm saying is I got back on it because of my health issues. Yeah. And I was just like, I I've got to start eating better. Like, yeah. And so I started back last Monday today. I weighed myself and I've lost seven or lost six pounds. Yeah. Um, awesome. I've been drinking almost a hundred, about a hundred ounces of water a day, which I didn't think was possible, but at first it really sucked and it was hard. But now, like today, I've probably only had like 60 and I feel parched. Does that yeah. make sense? Like, yeah. it's weird how your body adjusts. Hmm. Um, I think that's a big reason. Plus, yeah. I probably just was carrying just way too much bloat and water yeah. weight and everything. Else. I, I, I haven't. I've, so I've been I've stayed on Weight Watchers, but I haven't lost anything since January. I've pretty much gained and lost the same five pounds. I haven't like so overall, I haven't gained any weight. But it's it, I've been it's the only thing keep, like I, I think I mentioned to you guys it's the only thing keeping me from eating a sl- full sleeve of Oreos. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Like, yeah, and it, I and I had nothing to do that. Like, yeah. Once the pandemic started, I was like, okay, I'm stressed out. There's I, I don't need one yeah. more thing to deal with and work and and worry about. And so I stopped doing it, and that was a that was a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I don't feel bad about not losing any weight. Like I I know the choices I made mm-hmm. to, to not lose weight, yeah. and you, you know, know it what is you what did. I know exactly what I did, but I, but I'm glad I didn't gain anything. So, what's your total weight loss? Um, it's it's still around like eighty five. That's that dude, that's freaking awesome. insane. Um, yeah, you lost like a fourth grader. Yeah, I mean that is really crazy. Like yeah. crazy, crazy amount of weight. Yep. So I I lost one point two pounds this week, and I'm I was super happy about that. Just like yeah. okay, finally I'm making more. I, I'm able to get. I've had more focus this past week and a half, so it's been being good. My I, bright side. I evened out today. I was evened out on my my points today until I got here. So, oh well, you just ate those brownies. So I did, and I'm gonna have more. Adios. So. I got a grill this week, and it, nice. and I also found some uh, zero point barbecue sauce. Oh, my yeah, I need gosh. to pick some of that up. It's so good. Uh, I don't remember the name of it, but it's. And if you're if you're interested, hit, slide into my DMs and I'll tell you what it is. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what it is off the top. This is now a Weight Watchers they're, they're podcast. They're not a, they're not a sponsor, so. <laughs> um, my bright side is uh, it's it's a silly one, but uh, Baby Yoda. I got a 
Baby Yoda. Dude, you love that thing, don't dude. You? I fucking love this Baby Yoda doll. It's it's the it's the Mattel. Uh, I think it's eleven or twelve inch Baby Yoda. It's like it's a stuffed animal. Um, my kids really love it too. So my 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 son and my daughter have both been fighting over who gets to to play with this like all week. They've had it. Can I ask and, you a question? Will yeah. you tell me the? Will you answer me honestly? Do you sleep with it, Michael? I don't. I I, I have not. Well, in the, I have not. I have well, not. Either way. I have not yet. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. Well, my, my kids have been sleeping with it. So Erebus That's funny, uh, man. That's took it to bed with her. And then uh, the other night, I my son was going to bed. And uh, Sarah sent me a picture of his bed. And little baby Yoda was tucked inside so the bed funny. with him. So, so funny. And it's, it's cool, too, because my, my son... Uh, doesn't really play with dolls, but he, for whatever reason, he's okay playing with, with baby Yoda. And so he has like been, it's been really cool to see him like play with dolls in a way that yeah. like, it's cool. Like he feels cool with it. And like, he's asking if it's hungry. He made, we have like a toy kitchen. Um, so he was making baby Yoda food and stuff, but it, it's cool to see him be okay with that. And, and it's not for, you know, we, we would never shame him for wanting to play with dolls. He just, He's just very heteronormative. Yeah, sure. <laughs> as, as much as we like try to open him up, like, um, yeah, that's fine. No? So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, who he it's, is. it's completely. F- we just we just don't want him to be um, uh, uh, dismissive of other people who aren't sure. the way, same way that he is. Of course. So um, so it's cool to see that 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 part of him open up. So and my and my daughter just. Like so, we've been reading uh, Star Wars Adventures and nice. too. It's That's like cool. a comic book. It's like a younger age comic book. So we've been reading that, and then so we read one of the comic books, and then we'll put on the Mandalorian, <laughs> and she'll just fall asleep watching the Mandalorian, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. So that's my bright sides. Awesome. All right, uh, we did Fat Pastors. Um, no, <laughs> sort of music segment. <laughs> and by doing Fat Pastors, I mean we just ate an entire. <laughs> Here's a <laughs> We just ate an entire uh, container of brownies. Yeah, it was good. I give it a five. Yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, I I don't think I've ever, I don't know that I've ever had a bad brownie. I really don't think I have. They're just so good, man. I'm always tempted by the ones at Starbucks when I go in. And I looked them up one time. They're like 17 points. <laughs> oh, dude. They're, they are delicious. They're not, I'm surprised they're not more than Get that. Get those things warmed up, man. Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah, they're and they would probably be worth it. If you could, oh, yeah. Here, here, let me... Pro tips is I worked at Starbucks for quite some time. What you want to do is get the brownie warmed and then have them put it on a plate for you and then put caramel drizzle on top. Did I tell you when I was working <laughs> when I was working in a store in Illinois? I don't know that I told you guys this. I had a uh, barista make me so she makes a coffee cake frappuccino. Okay. With actual pieces of coffee cake. Oh in it. Nice. it was I mean, it was literally like drinking a Cinnabon. Yeah. Oh my god. She made me like she made a Big thing of it and just passed around samples yep. to everybody that was yeah. working. And I happened to be there and she was like, Hey, you want some of this? I'm like, uh, Yes. Yes. <laughs> it yeah. was so good. I wouldn't even know how to recreate it. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. She was like, Well, I do like two pumps of this and three pumps of yeah. this. And it was just like, Yeah. I, That's one of the things I miss about being a barista is being able to create my own like concoctions of different drinks. So there's a, you can do a Captain Crunch frappuccino. Have you tried that? Mm, no. It's, uh, it's uh, strawberries and cream frappuccino. You're like you're having Captain Crunch without shredding the top of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> strawberries and cream uh, frappuccino with um, hazelnut. Oh, so it's like a Crunch Berry. Yeah, Crunch Berry. Oh, yeah. nice. God. It's so good. 
837 um, weight. Oh, complaints. yeah. I, don't, I have no idea. So That's um, like today. The I was just working in a store and the manager was like, you want a drink? I'm like, yeah, I'll just have a nitro. Because I just drink the nitro yeah, yeah. coffee with nothing in it. No points. Yeah. And so, yep. but yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Normally, it'd be like, I'll have a caramel macchiato or a... Yeah. <laughs> I have a quad grande caramel yeah, macchiato. Exactly. <laughs> kind of a... Uh, I used, there's a drink I used to make... Um, it well, I had to do it in a short cup because I made it with uh, uh, brevet, which is half and half. Yeah, um, so fucking good. It's so it's like a it's like a two pump white mocha, four shots in a, and so it's like the the half and half is like four ounces of half and half. Right, so good. How many points is that? I have a bazillion. <laughs> A bazillion points. White mocha, I think, for one pump yeah. would be about yeah. 12 points, probably. But, yeah, if you're talking about it, it, the cups, like, it, right. it's, it's the short cup, the yeah. eight-ounce cup, and then, like, so much of that is the shots. And then, yeah. Today take, on the Starbucks really, secret menu. Hot take. Yeah. I really miss the, uh, they only did them for, like, one winter Corduzios. season. The Corduzio. God damn, those are good. Oh, man, I still, man I, it was, like, my favorite drink. But you can't find anybody that knows how to make them anymore. I've, I've taught a couple stores how to make them because oh. I don't want so bad. Yeah. It was like an Italian mm-hmm. style. Oh, so good. All right, we ready for a music segment? Sure, why not? Music time, it's music time. We're going to play some music. Bunch of white dudes talking about music. We got a new different white dude, so he's not going to play rap. Uh, music time. <laughs> I'm not going to get back to my rap roots like Matt. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I don't have anything this week. I haven't had any new music. That it's I've, got really... a, I've got a bunch. So That's fine, so I'll just, I'll just skip this week. Uh, so, Josh, what do you have? Uh, yeah, J- Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit coming out with a new album. It's yeah. called Reunions. Um, his band is called the 400 Unit? Yes. Yes. Yes, so that's his dude, dude spin-off dude of the unit Dude, he Man, is he such write. a good writer. Yeah, he is. Um, yeah, I loved his last album. Yeah, it was so, Oh, He should do so a collab good. with G-Unit. <laughs> the 400 Unit. And Special unit. Sauce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's G-Love. That's G-Love. Oh, that's G-Love. G-Love. <laughs> and Special Sauce. Just how much I know. Yeah. G-Unit is uh, 50 Cent. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You play the song, Jason Esbell in the in the G unit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's this song called? Uh, which one did I send you again? Be afraid. Be afraid. Yeah. All right. It's a good one. Oh, I don't have my freaking thing hooked up. Goddamn. <laughs> All right, hold on. Wait, wait. wait, wait. No, I mean I don't have it literally plugged into my. Uh, I know. I was muting the board so we don't have to hear the feedback when you <laughs> click it in there. All right. We've been testing you, and you failed To see how long that you could sit was the truth, but you bailed And I don't think you even recognize the loss of control And I don't think you even see it in yourself See, every one of us is counting dice that we didn't roll And the loser is the last to ask for help I feel like I want to see him in concert at some point. His I think live he would, Ryman album is fucking amazing. I think he would put out a crazy good out al- or a good concert. Yep. I like it. It's very, it's very it's Jason very Isbell. Him, yeah. Yep. And of course, like the if you look at the lyrics, it's it's awesome. Yep. It's really good. Yeah, his last one. What was the song of that? That was so freaking great. Like politically, it was a uh, oh, uh, white man's white world. man's world, dude. dude. <laughs> yeah, 
Yep, good stuff. Nice. I got a threefer. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad I didn't do yes. one tonight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, I was just going to do two, and then I thought, yeah, I got to do three. Of course. Yeah, you know, why not? Do the one that Matt's you, not uh, here. Why, why not be here Matt's not 10. here to heavy sigh at me and be angry, so <laughs> it's fine. Um, the first one is... <sighs> Uh, Brian Odeen. Um, nice. So, friend yeah. of the podcast, Brian Odeen. of the pod. Um, he sent me this, and it's like, uh, it's called The Long Way Home, which it's literally, it's one of those songs where, like, I can, I, I live down a country road, um, but I can imagine uh, driving down my road, listening to this car with the windows are down when it's not, you know, 50 degrees outside. Yeah, I had to stop, um, and I had to stop on the way to your house yesterday to pick something up. Uh, because there was a dog in the middle of the road that just didn't give a damn. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Couldn't have given a shit. <laughs> I know, I didn't know that dog well. God, it was just, it was literally L- laying, laying in the in middle the, of yeah. the road. Well, it's, it's warm there. And I just I mean, sat there and he was just like, well, I'm not moving. So yeah, he's going to have to go around yep, me. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. I know that dog. <laughs> I mean, it makes, I mean, the, the, it's warm there. It, and the, it's, the, it's a country. And so yep. there's not a lot of traffic. And they're just like, yep. I live here and you don't. And so I don't care. Yep. My my dogs are gonna die by a car. I'm sure of it. But you know, we'll we'll cross that bridge. When get <laughs> we'll bury that dog that's, when it comes that, to that's, it. That's that's tomorrow's problem. <laughs> like I like my dogs. I love them by the amount of of uh, how how big of their grave is that I have to. <laughs> so, <laughs> the the it big really ones, is country the big, living. The big ones, I I I don't. I want them to live forever because I don't want to dig that hole. <laughs> But uh, the small ones, like, ah, it'll be easy. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's only about 10 shovelfuls. Yeah. They'll be fine. Yeah, just cover them up. <laughs> uh, so this is uh, Brian O'Dean and the Dead Dogs. Um, no, it's not. It's just Brian O'Dean. So, long way home. found my harmonica set recently i was cleaning up my garage like oh there it is Do you have a full 12 uh i think about like seven no. very dylan yeah very dylan yeah well, it's just it's speaking it, of dylan he's got a new album coming out in june oh. first one in eight years don't don't even don't yeah. he's put out a couple songs they were freaking great he's got a 15 really? minute song about the death of JFK that is yeah is, pre- is murder most foul relevant for today wow. as you could have possibly imagined. Uh, yeah, so so <clears throat> Brian O'Dean basically made that album. It's I think it's uh, six songs. Let me look at what the actual album is called. Hold on, give me a second here. 
pull this up. It's called the. Uh, it looks like it's called the Long Way Home. So the same as it's a. Oh, it's, it's not, a title track by Brian and the Odiners. Yeah, Brian and the Odunzas. <laughs> the old Odiners. Odunzas. The, <laughs> the internet just crapped out on me. So oh, did it really? Yeah. No, oh, that's weird. Yeah. It's, Computer still Boy, starving to be is really starving to be replaced. So <laughs> thank goodness that's coming in this yeah, month. No kidding. So, um, uh, so the next one. Uh, so uh, I so I do live out in the country as as we have established in this podcast. Uh, so I have been listening to country music um, uh, quite a bit more than I am comfortable admitting on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I uh, was listening to this song and it's about. Uh, the uh, what's going on with uh, COVID nineteen, um, and it's co- it's cool to see. So, so country music is also a lot of times associated with um, Republican ideas. Yeah, you think? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, really? Yeah. Hadn't heard. So t- to hear a song about this um, time in a in, in a thoughtful and uh, enlightened way uh, is 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 it struck me struck a nerve in me. So right. I'm gonna I'm gonna play the song. It's called Six Feet Apart. So. By Luke Combs. I was going to say who is Luke Combs. When the dogwoods start to bloom And the crickets hum their tune That's usually about the time That I feel most alone But the news has all been bad Seems so sad. I ain't had much else going on. So I sat down and wrote this song. I miss my mom, I miss my dad, miss the road, I miss my band. Giving hugs and shaking hands. It's a mystery, I suppose. Just how long this thing goes. But there'll be crowds and there'll be country music singer actually yeah espouse right that that's a good thing yeah like yeah <laughs> we're, we're doing what we need to be doing so yeah so it's it, it's it's a really good song one one more thing i saw so i'm not gonna play the song because you're gonna thank me for why i'm about to tell you i'm not gonna play it um there's another song out there now and it's got like a bunch of different country artists uh one's keith urban one is reba uh there's a couple other ones well known i i don't remember the names off the top of my head keith urban is from australia yeah he's as country as i am yeah yeah but (laughs) but but, so so but but he's a country singer so he's known for country music it is a country song and and then one of the artists on there is chris tomlin oh god of course it is i was like why and and i gotta say i listened to it and his and his voice kind of goes well with country music it, it, that's because that's it's all the exact, I mean, it I mean, they, is they it's, fucking it's use the same, same compression rate it's the same yeah. producers it's, it's all the same, same producers shit. it's the same four chords it's yeah, the like same, like, everything they do is the I same I was just like oh, what? how did he get on there is album? very little difference between modern country music and modern Christian music there is nope. very little difference so that I guess that makes perfect sense. All right, and this next next one is a a segment I like to call uh, uh, a new segment. We're gonna call it "Dead to Us." Um, it's <laughs> okay. A, uh, artists who have recently died. <laughs> Play the music. Really, Michael? Yeah, why not? <laughs> you don't like this idea? 
<laughs> go ahead. You've already started it, so you might idea. as well. So, so it's not really the artist, but it's it is really it is really sad. Uh, so the guy, uh, the double rainbow guy, died. Oh yeah, so, no, of, of coronavirus, yeah, right? I, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, so uh, yeah, we're gonna play. Is this the remix? this is the the Gregory Brothers version of the double rainbow song. So light one up, pour one out. Whoa, that's a full rainbow all the way. Double rainbow, oh my god, double rainbow, it's a double rainbow all the way. Damn, it's a double rainbow all the way. Damn, oh my god. What does this mean? It's so bright, so good. Double rainbow, double rainbow, it's so dense, dense. What does this mean? It's starting to look like a triple rainbow. That's a whole rainbow man. Double rainbow all the way. So good. Yep. It's no Kenneth Copeland Wind of God yeah. remix. It's but. that same same idea though. It's it's the original. Yeah, you know, I will say, like, it's easy to make it was easy to make fun of that guy when oh, that video I came out. Lo- I fucking But loved here's it, the man. thing, that guy was literally just finding wonder in something oh, natural. Like he was on something natural. Right. Yeah, right. While he was doing it. Uh, but yeah, it's like we could I all take it. We could all take a lesson from seeing something Dude, like as was mundane as a rainbow, and find like wonder in it. My favorite question so. is when it, when he's like, "What does it mean? Yeah. <laughs> what does it mean?" <laughs> oh, oh, I it's guess so it great. means there were water droplets in the air, yeah. and the sun was reflecting off. <laughs> yeah, in two different places. Right, it means something. Um. All right. Well, I think that's. I think we've exhausted our. White guys play music segment. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, let's go into the news feed. Lock up your fears, dry all your tears, refill your fears. We're headed into the news feed. Into the news feed. The news feed. Yeah. All right. Um, man climbs under moving big rig filled with wine, begins drinking from the tank. What, what was it? Was in it? Wine. Oh, wine. It's filled with wine. Strawberry okay, so, one? No. Nope. Was he 17? No. 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 I'm no. not no. going towards the soundboard. Calm down. So the Modestus is in California. Modesto man. Uh, Gabriel, Modesto man. Modesto Gabriel Modesto man. Moreno uh, was arrested after he allegedly, not at least, they say allegedly, there's literally video of it. Yeah. Like, well, they can't prove it. it allegedly jumped on a moving tanker truck carrying bulk <laughs> red wine. So. The box kind? It's a boat of Well, box. I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's literally like... It would like, have to be boxed. Probably. It, it's just ge- generic red wine, basically. So he climbed... So it probably was strawberry wine. Keep in mind, while the truck is moving down Highway 99, climbed under its belly, he had climbed onto the truck and it started moving. While it was moving and driving down the highway, he climbs underneath it, unscrews the valve... And drinks the wine as the truck traveled down the highway. This guy needs a job on the set of Fast and the Furious. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, that's assuming he gets out of prison. Then he drinks the Fast and the guy. Drunk. So, video of the ride was recorded on the Cherokee Freight Lines tanker truck after that he had targeted. Dash cam video first shows him in a sedan putting his hazard lights on, directing the truck to the side of the highway. The truck driver pulls over, believing he may have a mechanical problem, only to see Moreno get out with only his underwear on. Yeah! Get it! The camera shows Moreno running to the passenger side of the truck and out of view as the truck driver pulls back on the freeway. 
Another onboard camera captures Moreno jump back into view, then onto the back of the wine truck with no shirt, no shoes. He rides on the side of the tanker, and then it shows him climb underneath the truck as it hits freeway speeds. Dude, that guy is living his best. God well, <laughs> I guess he's not definitely, anymore. Yeah, he well, was though. So a brief moment. That's, one shining moment. <clears throat> what is so, surprise you to know this guy has done it like six times right. and never got caught? That's when the driver noticed a dashboard gauge showing he was losing fluid. So the truck driver has a gauge that shows how much his tanker is holding, and he was losing fluids. Hundreds of gallons of wine. Goddamn. So the, the cop said, I've listened to thousands of thousands of calls. This one's up there in the top ten. <laughs> oh, man. That's beautiful. So he is literally riding underneath this truck at 70 miles an hour, guzzling as much wine as he can as this gushes out the bottom of a tanker. That's beautiful. I I mean, that is insanity. So the trucking company says they lost about 1,000 gallons of wine, which is about 5,000 bottles. So it's pretty much a shower. He's he's getting a red wine shower. It would just be like somebody just dumping it into your face at 70 miles an hour. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. He looked like the red M&M when he got done. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Is there a red M&M? I don't think there is, but there is now. The, wait, is there is red a, it, wait, the red is there M&M red is the main there guy. There isn't a red is that M&M. The, wait, is the red wait, the M&M? red and the was, yellow are the main guys. Red and yellow? Yeah, red oh. and yellow are the main guys. Yeah. I think when, when I was a kid, there wasn't red, though. Was that? I, there, there, was, wasn't there, was, there, there wasn't a blue one. There wasn't a blue one. That's so. it. Yeah, there, blue, was a, there, there was, was like, a light was, brown. Yeah, there was brown and then light brown. Blue, they were, blue were, came out yeah, in like what, right. the late 90s or that's the odds. Right. Yeah, that's right. About. No, it was like early 90s because I, really? I was still pretty young. Man. Yeah. Anyway, who cares? Uh, so care. then I've got a second one. Um, this is from Bojangles. He sent this to us today. Bojangles Appalachia. Young driver caught... Young driver caught allegedly speeding 308 kilometers an hour on an Ontario highway. Jeez. <laughs> so, if you do the math, that's about 191 miles an hour. Yeah. God damn. On a regular road. He's driving a Mercedes. Yeah, on a regular road. So, the OPP, yeah, you know me, uh, <laughs> says they Wait. caught. Wait. Do you have that? Yeah. Why Hold do you on. have that? Yeah. Yep. You know me. So the OPP sergeant Carrie Schmidt said, "This is the fastest speed I've ever heard of on on a highway." Yeah. <clears throat> Na- Schmidt Na- said, for, "For for reference, <clears throat> NASCAR is well, like Indy cars. Indy cars around Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which is like a half hour from here, about on a on a straightaway, about two thirty. Yeah. yeah. So this guy's only going forty miles an hour less than that on a highway. Yeah. Jeez." Um, 19 years old, driving, so in his, invincible. driving in his father's car oh, at shit. the time of the incident with another 19-year-old passenger alongside him. Uh, unbelievable speeds, Schmidt said. We're talking 191 miles an hour. We're talking 85 meters a second, 280 feet per second. Jeez. God damn. He said there's no way a driver could per- properly react to potential obstacles. No. Speeds. No. So it says he was stopped near Burlington and was subsequently charged with stunt driving. See, I don't even know. That's like, a charge? Apparently uh, in, in yeah. Canada, yeah. I don't even know how they stopped him. I, like, he must have just known that this was going to be, yeah, like, I'm, he just felt bad. I'm wondering if it's one of those where, like, like oh, he was going shit. and his friend was like, where they were like, well, let's see how fast we can get this. And then once the cops started showing up, I was like, we're, oh, we're fucked. Yep, yeah. there's no. So 
And then they thought, probably thought, well, we can either pull over or kill ourselves and somebody else, I guess. Yep. You so don't want to do a high speed. Here's the thing that's interesting. The speed limit where he was pulled over is 100. Were they not afraid of, of, uh, of moose? Wait, 100 miles an hour. Really? Yeah. That would be my fear. I will say I've driven in Montana years ago. Well, I, I that's rode, true. And it yeah. was at the time that was when they had, I was like in late high school. We were out there for, I was out there with anyway on a trip, but, uh, that was right after they had gotten rid of speed limits for yep. a while on like rural oh, Montana highways. It was nuts. Yeah. Like we went 90 and we were getting past like we were standing still. It was I would nuts. be afraid of like, what's moose, the fastest, anything. What's the it, fastest you've the thing, ever moose. driven? Uh, man, I don't, I just have never been a daredevil like that. Probably 90. Yeah. Like 69. No, ah, Michael, nice. no, it wasn't that. Um, I'm just, I've While never driving. That's impressive. I've just yeah. never been a, I've never been a daredevil man. Like even in high school, I was just oh, like, I, you had me fooled. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, but I mean, you go that fast. I mean, I remember talking to one of my friends in college. He had a, for a while after he got out of college, he had a, it was a Kawasaki Ninja oh, yeah. motorcycle Dude, that yeah. go, those things go like yep. 200 miles an They'll hour. They'll rip you right off of your crotch racket. He got it up to, he said he got it up to like 120 once. And he was like, never again. Because he yeah. was like, because if that, at that speed on a motorcycle, if he would have hit a piece of gravel, he was dead. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, just so stupid. I mean, if you're going 191 miles an hour, any th- swerve, you're you're dead and you're going to probably kill somebody else with yeah. you. So I, I'm 191, man, that is just nuts. Absolutely nuts. Yeah. It's almost 88 miles per hour times two. You know, 121 yep. gigawatts. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if you double it, what happened? He definitely could have gone back in time, right? Yeah, he, yes. With him, with him and Huey he w- Lewis, he would have, he would have split him in, and Evil Capali too. <laughs> part of him when it went to the future, part of him. Right. Went to the future. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> he was in superposition. Why have we not talked about Back to the Future in this podcast nearly as much as we should? Have, have. we not? We definitely need to talk about it. More. I enjoy those movies. Yeah, yeah Elijah Wood stuff. is in episode or in what? part two. Is he really? Yeah. He's in, he's the kid uh, at the at the retro game, and he's like, they're really? playing video games. Like you play that with your hands, man. Like a I got I'm gonna have to see that again. That's crazy. Oh man, that, I love that trilogy. The ring is mine. I know that's like one of your top. Oh yeah, yeah. I've I there was a time, and I still do watch pretty frequently, but in my youth where I would watch I would watch all three of them in one day every summer I will I um That's awesome. they were on TV recently and I, I caught the first two and watched a pretty good chunk of both of them they kind of hold up yeah, yeah they're, they're not fun bad. yeah have you seen John Mulaney's sketch about it like the, the the pitch like he's like the this is how they would pitch it like he's gonna go back and his mom is gonna think he's hot and they're gonna almost kiss, but then and like he just goes through the whole like this is how they would have had to pitch this this movie, right? Yeah, and I don't think they'll ever remake it. At least not not I while Bob not. while yeah, Bob don't. Gale is still alive. I'm the so guy. I'm so I mean, tired I, of remaking old yeah. movies. Just yeah, stop. he like, doesn't. He was like, it it is what it is. I don't want anyone to remake it. So until he's dead, they won't remake it. Yep. So, so I, I can't imagine anybody else in those roles either. No, so no. Michael J. Fox was perfect. Rick and Morty is a good substitute for that. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you know that's based off of Back to the Future. Right? I didn't know yeah. that, but that's funny. So it was a as a parody of Back to the Future. Doc and and Marty, Rick and Morty. So, yeah. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Huh. Oh, well, yeah. I, I learned something today. Yeah, there you go. You're Thank welcome. you, buddy. Thanks. <laughs> uh, you got anything, Josh? 
Yeah, yeah, I got two things here. Uh, one. Oh, you're only allowed to do one. Is okay. Oh, well, sorry. do you I want the scientific or the funny one? I'm just kidding. <laughs> both. I don't um, oh man. One's just a website. I can't like. There's nothing to say about it other than it's. So it's called Impact Earth. Yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is because of the drunk church history thing at the beginning, isn't yep. it? <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you talk from now, we're just gonna play that's, you off. Like that's that. fair enough. <laughs> I sure I hope that people are playing my podcast at like one and one and three quarter speeds just to get through it. Wait, get, you know, have we talked about Josh drunk passing out in his van <laughs> in, in front of his in apartment? Front of oh god, I was not drunk. Like I was. Josh, fine. come on. No, Josh, I wasn't. Come on. Look, I hey, no, I have, no, no, no. Hold on. I have Shut never. Up. I have let's, never not let's, admitted. Let's, let's play back the tape. Let's play back. The I have tape. never not admitted right, when I was drunk. Josh, nobody, nobody, nobody believes you. Nobody. There's not a listener. I never not admitted when I was drunk. No, I'm totally dude. fine. Anybody admitting who's it. listened to your podcast knows that you were definitely under absolutely influence. nobody falls asleep in their car out right outside of their house yeah, unless they do. they're drunk. I do. No. Nope. I sleep. No. I, I take naps in my car nope. all the all fucking right. time. So, so I am we calling get, we get a other text. bullshit. We get a text from, from Josh's lovely wife, Michaela Casey. She was on an episode I'm of the I'm more than happy to admit it if I'm um, drunk. Uh, she's like, you up? And I'm like, yeah. Um... <laughs> Wait, you got a you up text? No, no, no she's, she's in a message. Michaela has never said that to anyone ever. <laughs> she's like, she's like uh, um, do you guys have Lucas's phone number? I don't know where Josh is at. He's supposed to be home like a half hour See, ago. See, my, my first mistake was I told her I was coming home. Yep. If I just came home, she wouldn't know. Yep. So, uh, uh, I, moral so she was story looking is... for, for, for Josh, and Josh was apparently outside in his van asleep. It was cold. The van was warm. I was going to have to move stuff It wasn't in. that cold. No, it, it was, was like cold. When you say cold, outside. no, it was literally, I looked at the weather. It was, it was cold? Josh, it was like 50 degrees. It was not 50 degrees. It yeah, was it was cold. They, they, he literally the did look at the weather. I had the heat day. on there on is, the way home. Dude, there's no way you, no, no, you no, weren't. I no, admit. Shut up. There is no way that you weren't at least tipsy. No, that's what I said. Yeah, I said the alcohol. <laughs> No, I admitted, I said that the alcohol definitely had something to do with it, but I was not like, I drove home fine. <laughs> you are the fucking worst. I hope you fucking was. It was literally, literally the most Josh Casey oh, thing yeah, I could ever, ever imagine. Ever oh. imagine. I sent Michaela a message that morning. like, if it's any consolation, I am running Josh through the ringer. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Good God. So now now we have the uh, Josh is the dumbest smart person you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. meme. <laughs> Leave it up to Josh to Lucas, trip over his own dick. Lucas, I just couldn't believe it. It's tough It's tough to trip over it when it's a micro dick, but I managed I just somehow. Could not, could not believe dude. it. It's, Lucas was like, dude, you were fine when you left. What happened? I drove home for 15 minutes. I got sleepy. Josh, it is literally 10 steps from your car to your I know. apartment. 10 I was, steps. And I was literally parked in front of my door. What's funny is, is we found out that Josh regularly pulls over <laughs> to the side of the road and takes a nap. 15 minutes. I set my alarm. I pull he off to a rest station. Does I have it. a neck pillow in my car for that purpose. Oh, my gosh. That is unbelievable. Because How I often do you do that? Probably twice a week. Oh, during no, a full no, week. What? During a full week. Oh my god! And I'm not doing it because I'm lazy. I'm literally doing it because I will crash if I don't. If I leave, if I leave before seven a.m., which I do often when we've got a full schedule, and I don't stop, I will crash. I can't drive in the morning or at night, like when it's dark. I can't. Twice a week. Oh, on a, on a full week, like on a week where I'm working more than forty hours, easily I'll stop. I'll wow. Stop wow. Boy, and again, is... it's not because I've got bad sleep habits. I go to bed at a decent time. 
Do you I, have narcolepsy or something? I have. A, like I you, honestly think I have a little bit of that. I fell asleep in class all the fucking time. Like you snore a lot. No, I don't. Okay. Like yeah. it's just I. So if somebody wants to diagnose me and help me. That'd be great. I think we just did. I think so. You either have narcolepsy or you're a raging alcoholic. <laughs> it's I, one of those. It'll two. fucking happen when I haven't it's had anything assery. to drink. I went to bed at like ten o'clock. And you know what's awesome is now tonight. After this is over, you're gonna we're going to have to text me. him and text Michaela. Did Josh make it home? Like, yep. have you checked out front? You know what's funny is Michaela tried calling me, and I was close enough to our apartment that her phone connected to the Bluetooth in the van, <laughs> and she couldn't figure out why she couldn't call me. God. <laughs> That's great. And I think uh, that was my news feed. So, Michael, what do you got? Well, my, <laughs> Did we talk about your news God. feed? What was it? I, it doesn't fucking matter. That was that was the point. What was it? I missed it. It's it's honestly, since I've known it's, you, how long have we known each other? Four, three, four, four years? Four, yeah, somewhere down there. It is my favorite Josh story. It's <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. And it's like, on brand. It like, is it's so not, on brand. It's not like if you... if. If somebody had told you six months ago that I would do that, you go, that sounds about right. And now like, that and now that you I know that you do it literally all the time. Yeah. I would die. I would like there have been times where Josh, I have woken up to, driving. You need to go to the doctor. You need to get like a sleep I apnea can't. test. Something. Yeah. Like I don't have sleep apnea. I never have like I never like the only time I ever snore is if I have a cold. Can so, we like, get I don't him on speed or something? <laughs> like there's I will something... drink like I'll drink a full French press of coffee before I leave to try to have enough caffeine. Still in be... I will go for a run. I will wake up at five AM, go for a three oh, well, mile you run. You wake up at five AM. Don't wake up at five AM. If or, I have to you know, leave at five thirty. Don't go to bed at midnight when you have to get up at no, five AM. I don't like I have good sleep habits that's the thing I like I'm not the, the, I love that Matt's not here so he's like the new Matt yeah. the broadcast <laughs> it's totally right you're new totally Matt. right Josh is the new Matt new Matt basically I the already, same as the old Matt I, I already got this from you guys whenever I started working here okay so <laughs> the fuck that both of you Jr. amazing yeah, so if I anyone has any not, meds that can pass me. You really need to go to the doctor before you die. Like I mean I that is crazy. My parents, that's like, not, when I would drive that's home. That's not normal. My my, my brother I see, I my brother struggled with time. that too, falling so, like, asleep at the wheel. When I was in college, I would drive home like on a Friday night and it was like a ninety minute drive from Joplin to Tulsa and I would I'd have to pull over because I'd fall, I was fall, I would wake up five seconds down the road having fallen asleep. That is absolutely going crazy. like eighty miles an hour because Oklahoma. Yeah, so it's like it's yeah. Yeah, that's that's something that's probably not, not okay. No, something's not normal there. No, Michaela like, has pretty much accepted that like I'm going to die in a fiery car crash. Either because I'm like checking my email or because I'm asleep. Does it say a lot that Michaela hasn't made him go to the doctor for it? Does that say a lot? Knowing what My she life knows, insurance policy isn't that good, so I don't know what her game is here. She's really playing the long game. <laughs> oh gosh. Wow. Yeah. It's uh so if anyone has any meds for me. <laughs> Uh, cocaine. Well, we got a lot of meth in our community, so yeah. I don't know if you're interested in that, but a lot of meth. They don't ever sleep. They just no, they don't. stumble around and, yeah. Have you guys heard about the new uh, restaurant called Hoots? No. Is it like a one-tit restaurant? <laughs> I'm so afraid of what this is. Uh, it's a new concept uh, store can for we Hooters. Get, can we get rid of concept restaurants? Like, I thought that is so over. Like, get rid of what? Well, concept well, restaurants. Yeah. This like, is this is the woke Hooters, so they can also, they now hire men as well, so they're equal oh, opportunities. Well. Is this actually owned by Hooters? Yeah, it's a new concept from Hooters. Are they wearing the Hooters Hooters where male dudes soccer players servers. Hooters is the grossest place ever, and I said so. this to somebody that went years ago a couple times. Dude, like, I went once, and I gotta tell you, their chicken is good. 
No, but it's it, but it, but, but that's, really that's, that was. that's the thing. It's not that good. No, I, dude, I was I I was a pure and holy Christian man when I went. I was forced and you left my well <laughs> dirty. I ate the chicken. It was good. It's good, but you can get he good was chicken tempted by anywhere. the flesh pots of Egypt. Dude, like and, and it's it's gross. The for, pl- for a while for a while there they sold Hooters at Kroger. Like you can get the the chicken. It was good. The whole place is just gross. It's gross. Yeah, there's I, no two ways around it. It's gross. <laughs> Anyway, so if you if you if you want to feel it's a bunch better of about like middle aged dudes acting like the waitresses give a shit about them and think they're hot, like right. it's just gross. The whole no. thing is disgusting. so. Of course, this this restaurant is starting out in Florida. It's its first location, um, so it's in St. Pete's. You can check out Hoots. Yeah, that doesn't surprise Sounds me. About right, New yeah. fast casual wing joint. So it's just wings. Um, but there's a million places you can go for wings where there aren't tits hanging out everywhere. Can you believe that there <laughs> or somewhere there are, but it's not the concept of right. the restaurants. Out of all the all the, the companies out there right now, there's only one that's starting new businesses. <laughs> <laughs> what does that say about you? I got an idea. Let's just go ahead and open this. People need their, their wings. Yeah, what a hoot. Um so I see what you did there. They're uh they're open. So like its mother nest, uh Hoots focuses on wings, tenders, shrimps, and boasts eleven different sauces. New a uh, one thousand square foot space includes Gee, one thousand square that's, that's nothing tiny. tiny. Tiny that's literally smaller than my house. Yep. Um Jeez. square so so it includes outdoor seating as well and a full me- the full menu is available on most delivery apps. So Hoots now has a actually I guess there's there there are two in Illinois so we need to keep an no, eye out for that absolutely not I'm not doing so. that I, I couldn't care less <laughs> I can get good wings in a number of places where I don't have to support that bullshit all right uh, product update uh, what we've all been waiting was for was that not a product update well, kind of it's kind of like a loose product those update. aren't cold, oh, they're not cold. no uh, I thought those were the ones you brought there's a bunch of stuff in there just take yeah. whatever. Uh, this is this is uh, another product update. Uh, Tiger King parody porno sells itself to the surprise of literally no one. Yep, uh, being made in. What's at, that rule? What, what's the rule? The rule that uh, I can't remember what it's called. Rule sixty six or something that if there's anything exists, there's a porno of it. Yeah. So uh, it's being made in Tampa Adult Film Studio. Tampa. Yep, Tiger King parody porno. It, boy, or just, just classy, classy state that is. Hey, all you horny cats and kittens. Oh, my God. So, uh, it's being created by Blazed Studios. Um, <laughs> yes. Wow. Boy, this story just keeps getting better. I thought that was uh, the name of your guide as a studio. They already <laughs> they already have the, the, the cast. It's already sorted out. Uh, and the filming will start as soon as this pandemic's over. So, like, it'll be out next I love week. that even even the porn industry is taking social distancing <laughs> being seriously. shut down. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, Carol Baskin is played by uh, uh, Macy Cartel. Uh, Joe Exotic is Nadia White. You can guess what happens next. Um, and Doc Antle is Warren Peace. Uh and my favorite Dude, part, Doc Antle, that guy's gross. Yeah, he is. Oh. He is creepy. My favorite part is somehow he came out of that documentary like clean as a whistle, and he yeah. is disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> my God, nobody's talking about him. Uh, my my favorite part of this this whole article, as I said, you can even expect a cameo from Carol Baskin's missing husband Don. <laughs> wow, <laughs> they're gonna 
have a ghost porno in the My tiger. God. What the hell? I hope that they have pottery. <laughs> yeah. Can you go I, f- full Patrick Swayze on it? <laughs> you went the full Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Boy, that scene, man, that's a weird scene. Boy, yeah. That's a that, yeah. I haven't watched that movie in probably well, 20 it's been years. a long time, but even 20 years ago, it was like that is weird, really weird. We had a story about a woman having sex with a ghost pirate or something a long time ago. Didn't she marry him? I oh yeah, so. yeah. But I think she got divorced. Yeah, or something. He was cheating on her. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, yeah. I was, what was I thinking about? I, oh, Murder Hornets. Uh, Murder Hornets <laughs> and uh, Macaulay Culkin and my girl. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> God. I don't know uh, why my Macaulay Culkin got what he deserved. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Absolutely. That wow. being said, that being said, I kind of would love to interview that guy. Macaulay Culkin? Yeah, man. Oh, dude. Have you listened to any of his podcasts? I haven't, before? but I heard it's good. Oh, he is crazy off the walls. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't listened to his podcast, but I listened to him on other podcasts. He was so good in the movie Saved, though. Man, he was fantastic oh, in that movie. I love that movie. Yeah, I do too. Uh, Michael Stipe and Mandy Moore singing yep. God Only Knows yeah. on the soundtrack. Phenomenal. Um, Have not seen it. Have you not? Nope. Oh, that movie's great. Can I watch it online? <laughs> Because video uh, rental stores are not, you know, I don't alive know. Anymore. I don't know what the, it's got to be on something. Yeah, I don't know why. I haven't looked, but it's got to be check on. out Pornhub. It's probably no, it's got it's it. Definitely not on that. So if I look up Mandy Moore Pornhub, <laughs> no, yes, is that what I'm looking well, for? Well, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> um, the okay, so uh, I'll tell him you sent me. This isn't really one of my news feeds, but Elon Musk. Can we talk about his, his, oh my God. his child's God. name? It's bad. Let's move on. It's the, the, the child's Dude, name. I'm so tired of celebrities. I'm so tired. Let's of just them. say the name. It's XAEA-12. That's the baby's name. No, really. XAEA-12. And, and even him and Grimes cannot agree on how that's pronounced. How do they say it? Isn't it supposed to be Archangel? Something Archangel, like, I don't know, dude. I I just, I I have nothing to say about it. it they, the number I'm of things so, I don't give a fuck about. Exactly. I'm so it tired. Goes in that of, bucket. I'm so over celebrity culture. I'm so, I'm just completely over it. I couldn't give a shit. Archangel. Even in people that Archangel. I used to care about. Michaela was talking about some fracas that uh, um, Gunger got into, I guess. about, yeah, And I was like, I don't, he, she was like trying to talk about it. I was Kendrick like, I don't Paul. fucking care. Uh, I don't care about like, any of it. Let me go back to sleep. I don't care. Yeah, I, I'm just, for some, I, I already didn't really care about celebrity culture, but this pandemic has made it a hundred yep. times worse. Like, yeah. I don't like. But can you imagine all the people? This is the great equalizer. No, it isn't. It's not. No. You're in a 20,000 square foot mansion. It's not the same in a 1,200 square foot house. It's not. This isn't the same. I yeah. still have to go to work. You can go play at tennis or swim in one of your three swimming pools. This, stop it. I don't care if you sing Imagine. I don't care. It doesn't help. That doesn't help anything. And quit fucking asking me to give money to shit. You give money. You give money. You've got millions and millions of dollars. You give money. I'm tired I, of it. I have like the Disney sing-alongs. Those have been pretty fun. I just, I, whatever, man. I just, I am so tired of celebrities. I just could not give a damn. No. Yeah. <sighs> Thanks for getting me all fired up. Yeah. All right. Uh, a train with 10 million pounds of human feces has been stuck in, Alabama, in an Alabama town for almost two months. 
Of course, it's in Alabama. Human feces. Alabama from, is just a. It's a see, state of human is, feces. Human feces from. We New love York. you, Steve Austin. And it's not even. It's not even Steve Austin's feces. It's it's <laughs> New York and New Jersey's feces what? are stuck in an out al- tiny Alabama. I guess I didn't realize town. that we transported our feces from big cities to other places. Two square miles is is what we're what? talking about in terms of of of, of shit. Uh, 10 million pounds of human feces have been stranded for nearly two months. A town that, that, uh, small, everything is smelling within smelling distance. So basically everything in that town reeks, um, of New Jersey shit. Did you say two square miles of shit? Two square miles of shit. Wow. Um, the the finest fecal matter in, in Trenton. Boy, that's (laughs) parishes, uh, mayor, uh, Heather Hall says you can't sit on your front porch. Kids can't go outside, and God help us if it ever gets hot. Ooh. Oh, God. Oh. When said, it gets hot. It greatly reduces the quality of life. Why is it stuck there? Um, so waste ma- management facilities in New York and New Jersey have been shipping tons of bio waste to a private landfill in Adamsville, Alabama. Um, however, in January 2018, the town next to Adamsville, West Jefferson, filed a lawsuit against Big Sky. Uh, before being transported to the landfill, the waste must be hauled to a rail yard near West Jefferson, and the residents complained uh, that it caused obnoxious odor and wow. uh, caused increase in flies. So, uh, <laughs> you think? yeah. So basically, it's it's it sounds like it's tied up in in uh, litigation. Train loads of shit is ten million pounds. Wow. So, uh, the mayor says it's so frustrating. I'm getting uh, little bits and pieces of information, and you're breathing little bits and pieces in. Um, Literally. Yeah, it's, oh, I mean, man, here's the thing: if a, you can smell that, that is that that's molecules that's of you. shit. You're Boy, you can, that you're is, that cannot be healthy. So, um, wow, um, that's a that's a nightmare. So when Hall first, when the mayor first spoke with uh, Big Sky, uh, they told her it would take ten days at most to move the trains out. Um, now she hasn't been in contact with Big Sky for several weeks. Oof. Um, my understanding is that they're really trying to work on the problem. Um, <laughs> and they kept telling us the situation is, well, we're trying to get over. that out of there, but, uh, yeah. Meanwhile, the EPA, as well as the Alabama department of environmental management have informed the mayor, the material isn't harmful. Uh, so, I mean, uh, yeah. really, I'm not sure I believe that they say it's uh grade a bio waste and not raw <laughs> I wonder, sewage. I wonder which township USDA prime shit. Yep. <laughs> I wonder which townships from New Jersey it comes from. My parents live near Princeton, so maybe maybe some of my family shits in there. Wow. <laughs> yep. You're welcome, Steve. Man, that is messed up. Yep. I, I guess I didn't God. realize that cities transported their shit to other places. That's kind of weird. I mean, it's got to go somewhere. Yeah, into their own facilities, I would, you would think. think. That they would they would Man, have that's that. weird. Have that shit worked out. Wow. <laughs> Apparently not. So All right. Uh well, that, was, uh, that was quite the journey. Ready to go uh further up, further in? Yeah, let's talk about something that isn't shit. Mm-hmm. This uh, this interview. Yeah. Um so uh Sarah Hurwitz was a 
White House speechwriter from 2009 until 2017, starting out as a senior speechwriter for President Barack Obama and then serving as head speechwriter for First Lady Michelle Obama. Sarah worked for Mrs. Obama to craft widely acclaimed addresses and traveled across the America uh, and to five continents. Before working in the White House, Sarah was a senior speechwriter for President Obama's 2008 campaign, uh, the chief speechwriter for Hillary Clinton during her 2008 presidential primary campaign, a uh, deputy chief speechwriter for Senator John Kerry in his 2004 presidential campaign, and deputy chief speechwriter for General Wesley Clark's primary campaign and a speechwriter for Senator Tom Harkin of Iowa. Sarah was also a lawyer at the Washington, D.C. offices of Wilmer Hale. Um, she's a graduate of Harvard College and Harvard Law School, uh, and she was the spring 2017 fellow at the Institute of Politics at Harvard University. And somehow we got her on this and podcast. Somehow, <laughs> somehow, some way, she Man. came on this podcast. Like, um, as far as credentials go, like, I don't know that we've had anybody that's got yeah. more better credentials than she has. I mean, I've been on it a few times. No, yeah. I, like I said, <laughs> yes, I, I, exactly. I, I changed nothing yes. of what I said. Um, and and and, and uh, talked about all that stuff, but we didn't even have her really on to talk about no. politics. Nope. Uh, we we touched on it a little bit at the end, but but by and large, um, uh, we talked to her about our new book, which is is called "Here All Along: Finding Meaning, Spirituality, and a Deeper Connection." Uh, to life in Judaism um, after finally choosing to look there. So I can yeah. say that I think we, after we got done, I said to you, I think this is maybe one of the top five interviews. No, not maybe this is one of the top five interviews that, that we've done. Yeah. In 200 and some episodes loved this so much. Yeah. Yep. I walked in right at the end of the oh, interview and these guys so were awesome. jazzed. Like they're, yep. they were excited about so, this. So she is so fantastic. Yeah. Uh, huge thanks to Sean OZ for helping with questions. I, so uh, I really didn't know a whole lot about the book before we uh, this, uh, were offered to have her on the podcast. Um, so I went on Goodreads because I was going to start reading the book, and I saw Sh- Sean is a is a Patreon supporter uh, of us, uh, and saw that he had recently read it and gave it five stars. And I'm like, hey, dude, guess what? We're going to have her on the podcast. Uh, Send me any questions you got. So, uh, I use some of his questions, merge them with my questions, and and <clears throat> we we got through I think thirty percent of the questions. Maybe um, it's just, just a great in, conversation. Yeah, it, it, and that's the thing. Like, uh, we'd rather have a good conversation yep. than to have all our questions yep. answered. So, um, yeah, and she has a uh, unlimited access to come back on this podcast whenever she wants, without to. a doubt. So. And I cannot believe how jealous I am of it. She got to write for Michelle Obama, who yeah. is a main crush of mine. Yep. <laughs> love that woman. Love her husband, but to love her so much. Yep. Man. So, yep. yeah. So it jealous. is absolutely great conversation. Yep. So we hope you enjoy it. This is our conversation with Sarah Hurwitz. Further up. Further up. Further up. Yeah. Sarah Hurwitz, are you there? I am here. So glad to have you on the podcast. Um, I read your book and I I loved it. Uh, yeah, I absolutely loved it. It's not something that I would normally pick up, um, but I'm so glad that I did. Um, it, it 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 it's I, I loved it. So everyone, go and buy the book right now, and then we'll 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 go into kind of why you should buy the book. But 
Really Thank excited you. to have you. It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, so uh, how did you get into political uh, communication? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I started as an intern in Vice President Al Gore's speechwriting office in the summer of 98, which is <laughs> dating me a little bit when I was in college. Yes, long ago. And the writers I was working for, they helped me get my first two jobs in politics, one of which was as an assistant to a speechwriter in state government, and one of which was actually as a speechwriter to a U.S. senator. Both of them were total failures. Uh, the senator's chief of staff actually told me after about a year, she was like, you know, you should really go to law school. That'll be a better fit for your skills. No joke. (laughs) Not subtle. Yeah, that was great to hear when you're 23. So I uh, went to law school deciding I would be a lawyer. And I actually met a guy named Josh Gottheimer, who's now a congressman from New Jersey. Back then he was a classmate. He used to write for President Clinton, but now he was in law school. And the two of us started freelancing together. I got jobs on General West Clark's primary campaign for president in 03. He lost. We got jobs on John Kerry's campaign for president in 04. He lost. Uh, I got a job as Hillary Clinton's chief speechwriter on her 08 presidential campaign. And yes, she too lost. So, <laughs> you know, I was nailing it just really at the pinnacle there. And then uh, the Obama campaign, fortunately, and I'm very grateful to them. They hired me on the, his 08 campaign for president and he won. And on that campaign, I worked for him, but I, I helped Mrs. Obama with her 2008 convention speech. And then when we went to the White House. I wrote for him, but I, I, I would help her out every so often. And after about a couple of years, I realized I just liked writing for her better. So I, you know, I felt more at home in her voice. So in a White House career move that I think surprised a lot of my colleagues and also probably President Obama, I moved from writing for him to being her head speechwriter. So that is how does that, how conver- how's that conversation with the president go? I like your wife better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I fortunately I was not the one who conveyed it. It was his uh, chief speechwriter, my boss, John Favreau, who's okay. now yeah, a right. Save America fame. Yeah, wow. Yeah, he's great. So I think he was the one who, who broke. But, you know, we like I just had such a, you know, I loved him. I love President Obama. He's so gracious and calm and kind and lovely. But, you know, I had such a bond with Mrs. Obama. And I think, you know, I think he wants his wife to be happy. So I think he was cool with it. <laughs> I think I can speak for us and all of our listeners. We say we are just insanely jealous that you know the Obamas so well. Like, <laughs> God, I mean, if there's I'm, like, I feel if there are like two people I, I could sit down with for a meal, like right now in the world, it would probably be those two would be pretty top close to the top of the list. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's a good a, choice. I have to, they are, I, I still, I still cannot believe this happened. Like, I still can't believe that this is my life. You know, I, I never could have dreamed of this growing up. And I look back and it's like, I won the lottery. Like, literally, if the rest of my life is a yeah. total failure. Just having gotten to do that, it's it's a dream. It was just a dream come yeah, that's true. Cool. Yeah, I, I was prepping uh, for show notes for this podcast to have you know your links in, in our show notes, and and I I was on Twitter and like the first thing that popped up was Barack Obama tweeting about your book, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, it was totally crazy. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe he did that. Yeah, I was yeah. very excited. That's awesome. Um, so the um, so. You were in that administration for for eight years, and then you thought, "Hey, let's write a book. What should it be about?" Um, in the introduction, uh, so you 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 ask, "Why bother with Judaism? Uh, why?" So so why? <laughs> it's a great question. I don't I don't think when I were, when I would run into colleagues after leaving the White House. 
they'd be like, oh, you're writing a book. Great. You know, is it like a political memoir about speech writing? What is it? And it's like, well, it's a book about Judaism, actually. And they'd be like, wow, <laughs> what I expected you to do. Okay, great. Cool. Um, yeah, it's funny. You know, I grew up with not much Jewish background. You know, my family's Jewish. You know, we went to we went to our synagogue on the major holidays of like Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We did some stuff on Passover. I went to Hebrew school, which is like Sunday school for Jewish kids. And, you know, by the time I had my bat mitzvah, which is like the Jewish coming of age ceremony right. at age 13, I just thought like, eh, I don't, this isn't for me, right? I think it's boring. It's dull. I just didn't see a lot there that I wanted to embrace. So I just kind of stepped away from it, disengaged. 25 years later, Broke up with a guy I was dating. I had a lot of time on my hands. I randomly heard about an intro to Judaism class in D.C. And I thought, like, okay, I'm, I'm like, Jewish by heritage, right? I'm, like, a cultural Jew. I should, I should know something about Judaism. So I just signed up on the class for the class to save time. Like, I was not <laughs> on a big spiritual journey. I was not, you know, looking to be saved. I just needed something <laughs> to do because I was just bored. And I was really blown away by what I found. There was so much wisdom in this ancient religion about how to be a good person, how to find profound spiritual connection, how to lead a really meaningful and worthy life. And I just thought, like, I got to learn more. So I took another intro class. I read hundreds of books. And I just, you know, what I found were there were all these great intro books for Judaism, which kind of give you the nuts and bolts. And then lots of really great kind of sophisticated academic books, which were like a bit of a slog for my taste. And I just thought, like, OK, I want to write the book that really uncovers the transformative, radical, countercultural, powerful wisdom that Judaism has to offer for modern people, but that's accessible and engaging and yeah. fun to read. So that was, that was my goal. Yeah. So. I, 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 and I think you did that very, very well. Oh, thank <laughs> um, you. I appreciate it. Yeah. The, the writing is so crisp. It's like, I, I was reading, it's like, wow, this is a really well, cause we, we read a lot of books for the podcast right. and it was like a really well-written pot, like, like book. It's, it's really well. It's almost like it's she like, writes like for a like living. like a professional. <laughs> Uh, it's the craziest thing. Um, so weird, guys. I have this one skill. Like, I was like, okay, this is my one skill. <laughs> Thank what, you. What is the difference? What's the biggest difference in the approach to writing a book versus writing a speech? Oh, my gosh. There's, it's such a great question because they're so different. So, okay. I'm just going to stop right there. I just said, so, comma, okay, period. And I don't think any of you, none of you were like, oh, that was a sentence fragment. Whew, that was terrible grammar. Yeah, you're not going to get that from us. No, I'll trust from us. me. Right? And no, none of your, nobody listening was thinking of that either, right? Because right. like spoken language is so, it's ungrammatical. It's loose. It's conversational. Yeah. You don't have to worry about grammar or punctuation. Once you start writing to be read as opposed to writing to be heard, it's much more constraining. You really can't start every sentence with the word because. You can't have <laughs> sentence fragments dropped throughout. So I think that transition from writing to be heard to writing to be read was hard. I think transitioning to writing in my own voice and having to share stuff that's so personal. You know, I've spent my whole life behind the scenes and then suddenly I'm having to share a story about like the first time I felt the divine presence. It's like, dude, that's private, right? I'm not a, <laughs> yeah, sure. and if you've seen my social media accounts, they're terrible. I mean, they're awful. I share nothing. They're just like, they're like these really dumb promotional accounts where it's like, here is an article on my book. Thanks. They don't even have my name on them. My Twitter account is at here all along, right? I'm just yeah. not. But like, I had to, I had to learn to do that. That's, that was a big thing. And then just like, just length, you know, like a speech is 2000 words and, you know, figuring out how to structure it, how to put stuff in the right order. That's challenging sometimes. Yeah, right. You got to like, but for a, you know, a 93,000 word book, those challenges of like structure and order, 
man, <laughs> they just become mind boggling. So very big difference. Uh, did you have something? No, go ahead. Right. Go ahead. So, um, in, so in the intro, you say that you're writing a book that you wish you had five years ago. Um, can you unpack that and kind of explain who this book is for? Yeah. You know, it's so funny. When I started writing the book, I really thought, okay, this book is for disengaged Jews. Jews like me who are kind of, you know, skeptical, secular-minded, spiritual but not religious, who don't, you know, who kind of just don't know much. And, you know, I want to kind of bring them in. But what I found that is so interesting is that Jews of all backgrounds have really been responding to it, like including some very traditionally religious Jews huh. who've said, oh, this book is for me. And I'm like, that's not what I was not intending that, sure. but I'm so glad you love it. And then <laughs> lots of Christians have told me like, oh, this book feels like it's for me because it's written for someone with no background who, you know, who's curious about Judaism. You know, many Christians I know are really curious about the Jewish yeah. roots of their faith. Yeah. And they're like, oh this book kind of gave me a really comprehensive approach to like, what is Judaism? Where did it come from? What are the key animating ideas that I can do? You know? And a lot of my Christian friends said, you know, look, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm Christian. I don't practice Judaism, but like your chapter on ethics really resonated for me. I learned a lot. Your chapter mm. on death and like, how do you yeah. mourn someone you've lost? Like that resonated, like there's just so much resonance. So, you know, it's really for anyone who's curious about the wisdom that an ancient tradition has to offer them really anyone. I think people from all backgrounds have been responding to it in different ways. That's great. Uh, you know, I, the, we, I don't know, you probably don't know anything about us and I wouldn't expect you to whatsoever. I looked on your website and well, I was like, you guys seem cool. Well, I mean, really well, cool. well, boy, did we fool you. <laughs> We're cool for Indiana. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Indiana's cool, man. Cool. It's well, I mean, uh, well, uh, yeah, yeah we, well, we are partially re half responsible for the current white house. So no, we're not. Uh, but, uh, I, uh, so we we are we come from a Christian background. I don't know what the hell we are now. I, post Christian, <laughs> like definitely, I would say for myself, definitely still Christ leaning. But mm -hmm. uh, for, we're former pastors, and kind of in like the early to mid two thousands, I was a youth pastor and um, started reading things by uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel and different Jewish writers, and really exploring Judaism because I. This is going to sound really stupid, but like if you grew up Christian, you would totally have understood what I'm about to say that like I it never really uh, sort of was on my radar that Jesus was actually a Jew. That's like, not stupid at all. Well, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, that. I mean, it's right? like a lot of Jews don't know that. A lot of Christians right. don't know I mean, that. I, don't, I didn't know that until, I don't know, five, ten years ago. Right. Like, I, I mean, it's, it's it was just such a I can't tell you how much of a revelation it was. Go, oh, Jesus wasn't a Christian. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's I mean, I look back now, you know, God, 20 years later, not even 15, 20 years later. No, that's so stupid. But like it wasn't that's not an obvious thing when you grow up in church that Jesus was actually part of Judaism. Like he was right. he was sort of um, I would say he sort of in some ways transcended Judaism, meaning like. I think he sought the um, kind of, I, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out the best way to say it, but like th what the, the heart of what was being taught in the Torah. Right. So, you know, in it, I can't tell you how much it transformed my Christian faith to it. And so many of his, the things in the gospels and the, th and the things he was teaching and the different events, it made so much more sense in a Jewish context. Right. Right. No, he was a Jew. Right. right. That's something that, I think many of us have lost sight of just because he's so associated with Christianity, but right. that, that those are his roots. Yes. Totally. Yep. 
Um, I loved your synopsis uh, for the the plot of the Torah. And, and you say <laughs> that when you read the Torah this way through focusing on the plot and the surface meaning, uh, much of it seemed to your modern sensibility, shocking, appalling, quite bizarre. Uh, how do you as a uh, modern Jewish woman reconcile some of the m- most disturbing bits of the Torah uh, with the tradition that you've come to love? Yeah, totally. So, you know, the Torah, which is the first five books of what Christians refer to as the Old Testament, this is a 2,500-year-old document. Yeah. Right? Okay, you got to just start there, right? Right, right, right? So it's, you know, and we as Jews, I, I think a lot of Christians don't realize that we have Jew, we as Jews actually do, in a way, have a New Testament. It's called the Talmud and all of the commentaries since then. Basically, for 2,500 years, Jews have been reinterpreting the Torah through something called the Talmud, which is this, like, you know, it's like thousands of yeah. pages of commentary, which is kind of interpreting the Torah. It's helping people understand it. And, you know, you'll see in the Talmud, it looks at the phrase, an eye from the eye, from the to- an eye for an eye from the Torah. And it says, no, 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 no. Of course that doesn't mean that. It means that if you put out someone's eye, you have to compensate them monetarily. And you see them doing a lot. They're reinterpreting things that they find morally problematic, right? They're, they're people of conscience, of goodness. And they are looking at this ancient document and saying, no, that's not quite right. So you have, yeah, there were rabbis 2,000 years ago looking at this 2,500-year-old document, reinterpreting it. And that process has actually continued to the very present day. So if you look at the the reform movement of Judaism and the conservative movement of Judaism and Reconstructionist movement, basically all the non-Orthodox movements of Judaism, there are no more distinctions in Judaism on regarding gender, right? People of all genders can be rabbis. There's no distinctions between what I as a woman can do and what someone as a man can do. You know, they're also all, you know, these non-Orthodox denominations to which 90% of Americans belong, they marry gay people. Gay people can be rabbis, right? There are, again, no distinctions based on being LGBTQ. So, and that's because we've continued to honor Jewish tradition. We've continued the the process of reinterpreting this core document. And it's actually very similar to what we've done with our constitution. If you look at the original draft of the constitution, I mean, not pretty. It allowed (laughs) slavery, women couldn't vote. Mm. Sure. Yeah, there was some good stuff in there, but some problematic stuff. And we've spent over 200 years reinterpreting it, yeah. kind of constantly updating it to fulfill its core ideals. And it's very similar with Jews and the Torah. So I'm very comfortable with with modern Judaism. You know, it really honors my my ideals and my my beliefs. And I think, you know, a rabbi I know named Rabbi Ethan Tucker once said that Jewish law should challenge your id, meaning like all your appetites, your, your greed, your very base impulses to be angry and selfish and cruel and impatient but it should never challenge your superego, which is your mm. conscience. So if you see some ancient Jewish law that says, you know, women have to have fewer rights or, or gay people can't get married, that's a challenge to my conscience, right? That's wrong. And so I think I think you can kind of understand Jewish law through that light. I think it's very helpful. Oh, man. I, Christians, Christians can learn so much from that. Yep. God, I mean, it's interesting, you know, that you said, you know, obviously the first thing we need to know is this was written 2,500 years ago. Like, I think almost every holy text in any religion has some pretty problematic crap in it. Like, yeah, of course. I mean, Christianity certainly does. You know what I mean? But right. it's, you know, because spoiler alert, they're, we can't hold what they wrote to our standard, you know, in, in a way that yeah. like, you know, well, they were just completely unenlightened. No, they were writing in a particular context in a particular time and place 2,500 years ago. We've obviously progressed as humans. And, and, you know, I think one of the things that I think a gift of Judaism, studying a little bit of Judaism was to my faith, was to go, oh, we're we're part of the creation. Yeah. Like, we get to, 
it, creation is an ongoing thing and scripture, I think, is a living thing. And so we we should be able to carry on the trajectory of where I think this was going. I so agree. I mean, this right. is, you know, when you think about, you know, Jews talk about this original revelation that took place on Mount Sinai where God assembled the Israelites right. and kind of dictated the Torah and all these laws. And that's great. But we have to continue to hear revelation in our time. Yes. So, right, they were ancient people capable of hearing a certain thing, but we have to keep hearing that. You know, it's like, you know, people people hear what's being told to them through the language and mores of their time. And we have to kind of keep interpreting that and understanding that in our own time or else it just becomes obsolete and pointless and problematic. You just can't, you can't, you know, we can't practice Judaism like they did 2,500 years ago. That would be absurd, right? Yeah. In the book, you talk about uh, the 70 faces of Torah and just that, that idea. And, and, and seven is a, a, is a symptomatic number for infinite. Um, but the 70 faces of Torah is the concept that you can see uh, the written words in, in, in 70 different ways right. from different perspectives. And, and I think like that's turning, turning the gym. Yeah. Turning the gym yeah. and right. seeing everything in a new light. Right. How has that helped shape uh, your spirituality? You know, it's been so powerful to me because, you know, what I see in Judaism is it's not so much a bunch of dogma. What it really is, is an evolving kind of set of conversations designed to kind of interpret this key holy text. So what I what I see is that so much of my spirituality actually part of it actually comes around studying. And in Judaism, studying is actually considered a form of worship. Like when you huh. study these these sacred texts, yeah. you know, the Torah or the very ancient commentaries on the Torah known as the Talmud, you're basically you're hearing the incredible wisdom of our ancestors. We believe we're kind of divinely inspired about what it means to be a good life, a good person and lead a good life and be in service to something higher, to the divine. And so when you study that and when you, you know, debate it with people and really kind of challenge each other and try to figure it out and come up with these different interpretations, that's almost a way of worshiping. It's a way of trying to really discern the divine in modern times. So I think it actually, for me, this idea of 70 faces of Torah, you know, this is a document that's so rich that lends itself to so many different interpretations and understandings. And I think that's what makes it still so powerful in our time. Um, and so I think studying that can be a really profound form of spiritual connection. Yeah, it's really, that's really beautiful. Um, and I, I think one of the issues, let me finish this before you comment, but one of the <laughs> issues I think that a lot of Christians have with Judaism, not even just Christians, but I think just the, you know, you're talking about it as a living, breathing morphing evolving faith and and texts and i think when a lot of people think of judaism they automatically think of like ultra orthodox jews you know where it's like very closed off very like i mean i think personally before i started really studying it i think that's probably if i would have been if i could go back 20 years and you know if somebody asked me what is it what is judaism that's the picture in my head right the curls the you know, the phylacter- right. the phylacteries on their foreheads, the, you know, and what, what I came to realize is that, no, that's just like one, that's kind of like the weird Southern Baptist version of Judaism. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like the very fundamentalist, um, literal, like, I mean, I guess hardcore is maybe the, the word to use there. I feel like we could be offending uh, offending those people. Though. No, but it's yeah. not what I'm the Southern Baptists are pretty terrible. What well, they they're really <laughs> terrible. Yeah. So you know, I don't, it's so you know it's so funny because I do think that that people you know people sometimes will ask me they'll say like well what about the gender issues in Judaism and I'm like 
sorry, what? Like, what are you talking about? And then I realized what they're talking about, you know, the Orthodox world in America, that's 10% of American Jews. Right. And then the folks, and of those, you know, probably three or 4% are modern Orthodox, meaning they're actually just like, you know, they have moderate, they have their doctors and lawyers, they go to secular universities, you know, they're pretty observant in their practice, but they kind of do all the modern stuff. And only a tiny fraction of those folks are ultra orthodox right. kind of doing the very you know which is sort of you know that is a pretty you know that is kind of on the fringe it's not you know i have friends in that community i love them i disagree with them very strongly right that's a very yeah you know, this is a really small percentage of, of, of judaism and i think that frankly shows like unorthodox shows like Stiesel, like you're seeing all these tv shows that focus on this you know five percent of American judaism yeah, and right. so like guys what about the other 95 percent of right, us? You know, that's right, right, that's right. so frustrating to me because it's just you know not, I'm, I'm not saying anything bad about this community. I mean, they, they're doing what they're doing, but they're certainly not. It's not representative of the vast, overwhelming majority of Jews. So I, I really wish there were more shows about just like regular Jews doing Judaism, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's progressive. It's, so it, it's it. Well, sorry. It reminds me of like. You know, in the movie, I don't know if you've seen Religious, you know, Bill Maher, like they found like the craziest Christians they could find. Like, and I'm exactly, like, okay, this right? isn't even yeah. remotely representative of like the vast majority of of Christianity. You know, it was a little bit intellectually it's, dishonest. Well, and you know, what? it's so frustrating to me. It makes me crazy that the loudest religious voices in our national conversation are the most hateful and bigoted yeah, and absolutely. stupid. Yep. It's yeah, so it's, frustrating to me because there are so many... Like you and I, you guys and I, we all know plenty of like thoughtful, compassionate, intellectual, like awesome people of faith, right? Who are like living their faith in these deep and profound and radical ways. And guess what? They don't have time to be like screaming on TV. They don't, they're not going around hating people. They're actually yeah, doing right. the work of faith, yeah. right? Which is quiet and not, you know, not media worthy. So yeah. they don't get any attention. And it's like, guys, it's so frustrating what gets attention yeah. about religion in our international conversation. Absolutely. So, so frustrating. Kind of on that note, so with the popularity of shows like uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel uh, and Unorthodox, which represent uh, very different aspects of Jewish life in America, um, do you think that that has been a net positive or a, a negative uh, for American Jewish representation? Such a great question. You know, I do think the shows that focus on the ultra-Orthodox have been a negative and just in that they've been non-representative, right? They're focusing on a tiny portion sure. of the population and making people think it's the whole, so that, that's not helpful. You, I haven't watched Marvelous Miss Bazel, so I don't, oh, I don't so know. Bad. I know, it's supposed to be so good. I'm very behind on TV. Um, so I can't comment because I actually haven't watched that show. You've been a little bit busy. It's fine. Well, I, I watched... I'm busy, but you know, it's time. I started watching The Great British Bake Off. <laughs> Absolutely love that show. Just love it. So you know, good. my... My wife and I watched um, Unorthodox, and I don't know if you've seen it or not. Um, I saw two episodes. Okay. I just found it so stressful. I had, yeah, had to I'm, take a break. I, I and I can understand that. Like, if you're if you're sort of in a way part of that faith, like that it would be it would be like us watching something like that. Well, maybe us twenty years ago watching something like that Jesus about Camp. like yeah, the movie Jesus Camp, which oh, I still geez. think is insanely disturbing. Um, I I liked that show because. It really modeled for us. So many of our listeners are kind of what like deconstructed post-Christian people like th that's kind of the community that has sort of, I don't know, rallied around this podcast and because I think that's where where uh, where we are as well. Yeah. And so it really um, it modeled for us how difficult it is when you're raised in a conservative religious upbringing to get out of it. 
like it's a, it's it's so difficult because what you're doing is you're essentially like everything you've known to be your sort of the 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 ground underneath you is all of a sudden like it starts shifting and then all of a sudden you look down and there's nothing below you and it's a very you know disorienting disorienting thing so i personally for me that show was fantastic because it in a, obviously a different faith but all in the same but it was very similar to a lot of our um listeners a lot of our upbringings we've had some discussions in our facebook group about about that show so it's so you know it's so interesting i i sometimes encounter jews who were raised very very orthodox and had a very similar experience where they they escaped and they they have such a negative view of judaism that they almost can't engage with yeah, it at absolutely. all and i'm like guys 90 percent of american judaism it's like pro-woman and pro-LGBTQ and it's like radical and cool and they're just so turned off it's just like they almost can't hear it you know it's sort of hard to find it's really it's hard when you've had that kind of experience it's really hard and painful especially when you've had to do the hard work of of leaving it right leaves a bad taste in your mouth yeah absolutely a lot of our listeners have that with Christianity for sure like they've jettisoned the entire thing and I yeah I'm not judging that in any way because I it like I get it I mean I think for us we the pendulum swung the complete opposite way for a while. I'm sort of finding myself in a way like you sort of coming back to my roots. Um, and, but in a completely different way, yeah. like uh, I, the way I see the scriptures now is completely different. The way I see even what Jesus was doing and what he was, you know, what he was actually saying, you know, this really, I would call it a must mystical Judaism. Um, right. And so it's, 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 I've come back to sort of the roots of that, but in a much more, in a much, in a very beautiful way. Yeah. I mean, I look at, you know, I, I love Nadia Bowles Weber. Yeah. Oh man, her writing is so fierce and beautiful. Right. Like I just, that's, you know, there, there is like, you really see that kind of religious writing. I just think is extraordinary. Um, yeah, she, our name, the name pastor is, is a play off of her book, Pastrix which is which we and we still haven't had her on the podcast yet but we need to we yeah. definitely definitely should but yeah that, that was where that it came off of that from that idea so it's definitely she's she's a phenomenal yeah um so in the book you say you're hesitant to mix and match spiritual practices um from differing faith traditions i think a lot of our listeners and and even we on some extent have taken that mix and max match approach um you say that 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 you learn from many, but you commit to one. Can you kind of unpack that philosophy and, and how you found that beneficial? Yeah. So I think you know, first of all, every religious tradition has profound moral wisdom. Sure. Every single one. I would never say oh, this one's better than this one. Yeah. They all have something tremendous. So I, I'm really a huge believer in learning deeply about different faiths, and you know taking their wisdom and being sort of being taught by them and moved by them and shaped by them. But I think ultimately it is important to pick one because, you know, when you, when you're doing this picking and choosing, you're kind of like deifying yourself. You're kind of like, I'm, you know, it's sort of having, it's almost like, I guess it's confidence, but you could almost say it's arrogance to say like, I know best. Like I know best what each, what I, what I need, I'm going to take it. And what you end up doing sometimes is what we end up doing with social media, which is you choose the social media sites that reaffirm your own biases, prejudices, (laughs) kind of like it's a lot of confirmation bias. It's like, Oh, this is so me. And this is so me. And this is so me. And at some point you're just kind of glorifying yourself. 
right? And so it's like, you know, part of the, you know, yes, religion is very much for comforting the afflicted and for self-exploration and self-assurance and self-affirmation, but it's also for afflicting the comfortable. It's for self-discipline and self-restraint and encouraging self-sacrifice. And I am personally not a good enough person that I will choose that in the traditions I explore, right? Like I want the good stuff. I want the stuff that affirms me. But when I kind of immerse myself into Judaism, I'm I'm given both of those things. It's like they're all kind of my friend, uh, Rabbi Donya Rittenberg, who's fantastic. Oh, really she rabbi. is. Oh, she's fantastic. She's so Would love pronounced. to have her on the pod. Yes, yeah, I will. I am happy to she, drop her an email. She she's, is phenomenal. She's so brilliant. She yeah. says, you know, these religions are complete systems. They're really designed to kind of take the practitioner and push you and challenge you to be a yeah. better person. Now, by the way, that does not mean you should blindly follow them. You know, there are parts of them that are not okay. There are parts of them that are not acceptable. You have to still keep your, you know, your conscience, right? If they're challenging your superego, if they're challenging your conscience, you got to say no. You got to walk away and you have to find a version of these religious traditions that is practiced with mind and heart and through a lens of love and inclusivity. Any tradition that's emphasizing shame and and it just it, you should run, run. And look, yeah. every religion has its crappy practitioners yeah, yeah. of it. So you've got to find the good, loving versions of it, but I do think it's helpful to then immerse yourself in it and let it change you. Yeah, it's we've talked on the pod a few times about, like, I know coming out of Christianity, I've started to see just how, like, you know, Jesus was part of the ancient Near East, as was obviously Judaism, right. which is not the same thought processes as a Western Enlightenment Greek, I would call it Greek thinking. It's completely different. Right. Um, the way they see things, the way they, uh, the language they use, the way they speak in, in pictures and, you know, and that kind of thing, uh, which was another thing that I think studying Judaism gave to me, um, was this idea of, oh, it's a completely different thought process. But, you know, we, we have all the three of us have gotten into, not gotten into, so maybe that's not the right word, but we've, I've been reading a lot of stuff by Alan Watts and, Thich Nhat Hanh and you know different sort of eastern more buddhist uh thinkers but I'm always filtering it through the the lens of what Jesus said not in Mm. a way you know what I'm saying like is that kind of what you're saying like uh, of as you study these things it's important to filter them through a system that you understand or is is that kind of where you're going yeah I think that's right and I think it's I think it's helpful for them to you know, when you're filtering it through your system, it's it's sort of, I think it can help you better understand and appreciate your system yeah. and can also help you question your system. Yeah, absolutely. Right? It can help you, yeah. it can kind of help you, you know, I feel like you should always be, you know, something that Judaism teaches us is to always be questioning, yeah. right? To always yep. be questioning. And yep. so it's like, you know, I will learn something from Buddhism and I'll think, huh, what does that, what does that say about this Jewish idea, yeah. this Jewish practice? Okay, let me think about that. Right. So just it, it helps you kind of better evaluate and understand and hone your own practice in your own tradition. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the idea of questioning is another thing I think I'm indebted to Judaism for, because as growing up as Christians, questioning wasn't a thing you did. Yeah. Um, you had your authority, which was generally your pastor, or your youth pastor, or whatever, your parents, whatever's, you know, every situation is different. Um, in their interpretation of scripture was that was it. Like that was law, essentially. And, you know, when I started looking at Judaism, I started going, oh, wait, like when Jesus was answering question, answering a question with another question, he wasn't being an annoying dick. That was literally just like his that was that was the that was his tradition. So, like, you know, when he has a guy come up to him and say, you know, a a lawyer come up to him and say, 
you know, he's, he's talking about loving your neighbor and the guy's like, who's my neighbor? Like, mm. that's a legitimate question. That's right. a very Jew. I would say a very Jewish question. And, right. you know, Jesus then responds with other questions that man, I, I can't tell you how much that opened up for me, my faith of going, oh, it's not only is it important to question and okay to question, it is essential to exactly. any faith to question everything to filter it through to go, wait, but why is that the case? If you know what I mean? So I, that I am deeply indebted to Judaism for that. I, I, I am too. I mean, I, this is one of the things I love most about Judaism. There's just, there's an aversion to dogma. You know, there's always this question, there's this debating. And, you know, if you look at these ancient debates and these ancient commentaries on the Torah, which are very much the basis for Jewish law today, you know, all these ancient rabbis, they're debating and they're questioning and they're dissenting and they're doubting. And then ultimately they come to a majority opinion, which is sort of, they decide, okay, this is how we're going to understand the law, but they preserve the minority opinion in their in the commentary, which is so interesting. Right. And they they do that because, look, this person had some good points. Maybe things will change in the future and you want to have this other option there. I just think that is so fascinating. And it's also I think it's humble. Right. It reflects a certain humility of like, okay, we as Jews, like we don't know what God wants or what God is. Right. It's like we're talking about something so big and so vast and so beyond the capacity of our tiny human minds that having a bit of humility, very important. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so you say that, that other than monotheism, there is no universally accepted Jewish creed or article of faith defining or defining the divine. Uh, this leaves a lot of interpretation for, for who slash what God is and consequently makes our understanding of God a deeply personal experience. Who or what is God to you? Great question. So... <laughs> You know, this is, I mean, I do love this about Judaism, that there just isn't this, we don't say, okay, God is this, because that's actually a kind of idolatry, right? Once you're saying that God is this, it's like, okay, you've taken something so big and so vast, and you've shrunk it down to something small that you can wrap your mind around, which is very dangerous. You know, we, I think we as Jews, we would say, okay, you know, we, we don't know what God is, but we do have some instinct that whatever this is, this divine, it calls us to behave in a certain way, and that's how you get Jewish law about how you treat people, whatever. Like there's a sense of, we can't say, okay, we define God like this, but we do believe, okay, we're called to behave this way. And behavior is very important in Judaism, more so than belief. So in terms of what I think God is, you know, I think that God is the animating source of all life. Um, I think (laughs) that God is the process by which we become our highest and truest selves. Um, I think I find God in moments of just deep human relation with other people when we're both very vulnerable, I find God in moments of just, you know, in moments when I'm out in nature and just marveling at this creation that is our universe. So I, you know, I, I would say I, I think God is everything. God is a force. But how do I relate to God? I relate to God as a you, because I'm a human being and I can't have a relationship with right. the animating source of all life. Yeah. Right. That's not how I, you know, I, I think of God. You know, I have images of God that are male and female and very personal and very loving, and I feel. You know, in the fleeting moments I felt close to the divine, it's felt just like a source of just overwhelming love. And so I don't think God is a being. I don't think God is a a man in the sky who controls everything and rewards and punishes people as they deserve. I I, I, I just like I can't wrap my mind around that belief because I see hourly confirmation to the contrary. And once you get down that road, it gets so painful where it's like, okay, well, if God controls everything, what about the Holocaust? 
oh, God didn't commit the Holocaust. People did. Yeah. Okay, then what was God doing all day? Oh, well, it's complicated. It's like, wait, I'm sorry. God's all powerful, but okay, then God does. This. It's like this. I just like, I don't, you know, and I've heard people say, well, sometimes you ask God for things and God says no. If God is saying no to an abused foster child, then I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Absolutely, like I'm yeah. out. Just like, no. So I don't, you know, the idea of God as a being who controls everything, no way. But the idea of God as this animating source of all life, as something that you can choose to make yourself close to by, you know, and I actually think religious traditions in a way are, they're articulating a blueprint for how you make yourself close to the divine, how you serve the divine. So I think in Judaism, it's like, it tells us, you know, you get close to the divine by caring for those who are vulnerable. You get close to the divine by, you know, elevating yourself and by speaking kindly and by being honest and by you being thoughtful about how you live and the, live in the world. Like, and, and I, I, in my own life, I do experience that, right? I actually yeah. think there's a lot of wisdom to all these, the way and I'm, you know, Christianity has a way and Islam has a way and all traditions do. Like they're kind of helping us have these moments where we feel close to that source of all life, that loving force. Um, but I, I just, I will never think of that as a being who controls everything and is all powerful because I just, it's not true. Right. I don't know if you've if you've gotten this on an interview yet, but I just want to say this. I'm going to give this to you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That is huge, man. Thank it, you. Yes. It, it, like we talk all the time about uh, to borrow a phrase from the he was a Christian theologian, Paul Tillich. Yeah. He called, oh, of he, yeah. God is the ground of all being. So like that's that's where we're at too so like it's funny because as you were saying that michael and i are sort of like yes, winking at each yes. other and going oh my god like <laughs> this is exactly it's amazing like how similar how you think of god and how we think god is is pretty much exactly the same you know it's like any god that can't stand up to the suffering of the world deserves atheism like that god deserves to die i mean you know because it's, it's like having having sort of torn down the faith we grew up with and rebuilt something else in its place like you i mean you know i look back at how i grew up and it was very like oh god only wants the best for everybody and like all this but it's like okay so like when you die what did god fuck up like did he you know what i'm saying like when somebody dies did he was he just was he making tea or coffee at the time? Was he having a beer? And all of a sudden it was just like, Oh God, I like, he, no. he totally forgot about those he, guys. Oh, down geez. There. Oh God, Carol. I'm so sorry. Like I, you know what I'm saying? Like it, 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 I, it's so, it's just, it's a recipe for shame. Right. Oh, yeah. like, boy, is it ever clearly I screwed up or it's, it, or, and it's, it falls apart, but right? you see so many people with this, this belief that they've been kind of holding together and then the facts just fly in the face of that belief and it falls apart and then they're left with nothing. And I don't think the choice is man in the sky, God or nothing. I just don't, you know, I I think that you can have, you know, it just, and I I have to tell you that I wouldn't have said this seven years ago, right? This is the kind of new thing for me, but I I've just had these moments where I just tap into this sense of just this belovedness, right? Mm -hmm. This boundless force of love that doesn't control anything that doesn't intervene in my life. You know, I think that the somewhat ancient conception of God, which is understandable, right? It's terrifying to be an ancient person. You're at the whim of everything, you, you know, every, the weather disease. I mean, God feels similar today, but you, 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 I understand this, this ancient conception of a God who controls everything and you make sacrifices to God and whatever. But like, I just don't think that holds up anymore. No, I just yeah. don't. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because even, I so I've only this is going to sound weird, but watch me go and stick with your thing. Uh, like 
the only tattoo I have on my body is of an ancient Hebrew pictogram that when I started studying um, Judaism, I uh, realized like it, it like I, I've talked about earlier, it gave me a depth to my faith that I hadn't really known before. And one of those things was even in the ancient conception. So the pictograms were essentially like Hebrew hieroglyphics. So it was like even before the lang- the the written language they had that, you know, sort of the Torah was written and they had essentially their own sort of pictograms. And I was reading a book that was talking, it was called the mini, it was called the mini names of God or something like that. Um, and one of them was a, a, the head of an ox and a shepherd's staff. That was their name for God in it. And what it uh, literally translated to as close as you could sort of literally translate it into English was a strong leader that guides and what was interesting, and this is where we talked earlier about the um, the fact that Hebrew people and Eastern people thought in think in pictures. Um, the picture of that of that pictogram is essentially the idea that when you know in ancient times when they had oxen plowing fields, if you wanted to train a young ox, you had to uh, pair that oxen with that ox with an older, more experienced ox, so mm-hmm. that ox would teach them to pull would teach them how to plow so even in even i would say even you know thousands of years ago the jewish people had an a, a um i would call it a very good conception of god in that they saw god as and, and i when i say they i don't think they were a homogenous group of people right of course there were certain people that did you know but obviously a, a group of them saw god as a being that comes alongside of humanity and teaches them how to go through life, teaches them how to plow, so to speak. It's so interesting you say that because, you know, I think that the central metaphor of Judaism is a partnership. I mean, you look at what happens on Mount Sinai where this ancient God assembles the Israelites and he dictates to them this covenant, right, this contract, and they have to decide whether or not to accept it. When you think about a covenant, it's something with two parties. They each have to, they each have to perform certain things. They each get certain things. There's a real sense that we're partners with the divine in healing our world. Like that is sort of a Jewish idea yeah. of what it means. So you know, there's a lot of human empowerment in Judaism. There's a lot of expectation that you're going to act. You're going to act. You're going to help. You're going to you know. You don't just ask God for things. You ask, but then you you work for those things. You know, you don't yeah. just expect things to happen. Like you yeah. really have to kind of step up and. And, and take that responsibility. So I do, I, I appreciate that. I also think if you look in the Torah, you know, the idea of an all-powerful God, that's not true in the Torah. Yeah, <laughs> in the Torah, like yeah. this poor God, you know, all these people are disobeying him. They're doing all these things he doesn't predict. And he's like, oh, what are you guys doing? Right. That's, and I, it's really, it's very moving. Right. I actually think that's like, I think that's true. I don't think that there's a God that controls everything. And it wasn't true in the Torah. And I don't think it's true now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's really, um, in in there's actually I won't go into it now, but there's a lot of stuff with the covenant that God makes with Abraham that has a lot of once I started studying it had a lot of implications for Jesus too. Like that it was essentially it, if you look at it in a in a Hebraic context, what God was actually doing in that covenant with Abraham was saying basically he was he was pulling the entire thing. Like that but he was saying to Abraham, like, you can partner with me in this, but I'm gonna do the heavy lifting. A lot of the heavy lifting, which was really <laughs> right. like, you know, there was there was a lot of grace in it that, you know, as we grew up, I think our our really super immature understanding of the, the Christianity to, 
to Judaism was that Christians understood grace and, and Jewish people didn't. And when I started studying, I was like, Oh God, that's so not true. Like not true, there's right? so much, there's so much grace in, I'll say the old Testament just because that's the language I know. Yeah, you no, know no, what I'm like right, yeah. that you, there's so much grace, even in all of that. Um, but that understanding of we are called to create alongside of God is, was mm. a game changer. Um, nice. that God as a, as the ground of being is what you said, the animating force. Um, but he's animating us, <laughs> you know, to go and do, to do the work. And uh, one of our favorite Christian writers is Richard Rohr. I don't know if you're aware of him. Probably not. Oh, but... I'm familiar. You know, I have to read. I, I have his, oh, I have his yes. name on a list of writers. He's I fantastic. We've interviewed him. He is God. He's lovely. But, um, you know, he, he talks about it, the idea of essentially like that, all of life is a flow is a river in, in all God is asking us to do is just to let the flow take us to jump in and let that, you know what I mean? That we spend so much of our lives trying to swim upstream when all God is trying to do is to say, just let go. Like that w there's a flow that we participate in that as he as God is the animating force. We ourselves uh, use that force to go and, and change the world, to be a part of this world, to learn to become more human, the best, the best version of ourselves, essentially. I so, so, you know, there, there's so much of that that resonates for me because I think about, you know, I, I think about, you know, I see it in Christ, you know, I know from what the little I know about Christianity, I see it there, but I see it tremendously in Judaism where there's a real, there's an instinct that the way you become kind of close to the divine is through brokenness, is through yeah, surrender, is through a yep. sense of like, there's a lot of, you know, Hasidic, um, the Jewish Hasids were people who in like, you know, 18th century, they were kind of this, this kind of upstart kind of radical movement of Jews who were very spiritual and kind of rebelled against the the more elite kind of intellectual Judaism. They've since then become a very ultra Orthodox sect. But back in the day, they were really radical. And there's this all this thinking about how like, you know, the broken heart is like the key to closeness with God, that sense yeah. of brokenness and surrender. And I, I find that I do like week long silent Jewish meditation retreats. And I find that those are times when all of my thinking and planning and achieving and striving, it kind of like slowly quiets down. And I think in those moments, you just I do feel like I get in touch with something that's a little bit truer. Right. There's what, you know, I think secular language would be like, like whatever your calling is, like yeah. what you're called to do in the world, your intuition, your sure. instinct, like that's great secular language for it. I choose to frame it in more spiritual language, but we're talking about the same thing, I think. Yeah, I think you're I think you're exactly right. Um, I think that's it, it's such a it's such a beautiful. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems to me a much a much um, richer and fuller existence to see that you're a part of something larger, that you are being guided in participating with a force larger than yourself. I so I you know I, I, I so agree with that. And a rabbi friend of mine calls it. He's like, it's like once you make that that leap from kind of being fully secular like I used to be to being more spiritual and to having this, you know, felt sense at fleeting moments of the divine. He says it's like developing a seventh sense. It's Ooh, like yeah. um it's like another dimension gets added to yep. life. And I don't and I don't think it requires you to check your brain. That's the problem yeah. where I think that yep. so many people like me seven years ago used to look at people like me and say, like, oh you become stupid. How cute. Look at you. <laughs> like, now you're dumber. Isn't that fun? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, actually, believe it or not, you can be both smart and spiritually inclined actually lots and lots of people pull it off yep. it's not you know they might not be the loudest voices but plenty of them out there 
All right. So I have one more serious question that I want to do a lightning round. But yes, but I, I feel We've like we've only got about a thousand more yes. questions. That yeah. We're not yeah. Gonna we, get we, to, we, but... we got into about 30 percent of the questions <laughs> that we have, for you, which is fine. Uh, rather be over prepared than under prepared. Um, so I think you have I know you have a unique perspective uh, in terms of of being uh in working in the white house for eight years. Um, a, a, a lot, a lot of shit has gone down since then. Um, yes. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, yeah. Michael. What do you Just, mean? I, oh man. Um, but are you happy that you got replaced by Muppets <laughs> as speech writers? Oh man. Uh, don't insult Muppets like that. <laughs> so what, what in the aftermath of all that, um, what, what gives you hope? And what gives you dread? And you can answer that in either order, whatever order make you want to, what, what makes you nervous and, and, and what gives you hope? Yeah. You know what I think? So I think I'll start with what makes me nervous. Um, what makes me so nervous is that, you know, with the rise of social media and this fragmented media, there really is no more common truth. I mean, I don't, I don't know if there ever really was, but it's like everyone can now very comfortably and easily have their own version of the truth, oh, a fair God. amount of which is not based on facts or reality at all. Yep. And yeah. that's really scary. Like when we're not dealing with a common set of facts, we're in a lot of trouble. Yep. And so I worry, you know, we've now had three years of a president and his many, many, many enablers who I think mm. actually deserve more blame than he does. Yeah. Um, you know, they have really created this discourse that fundamentally degrades human dignity that just treats people like objects that has really glorified cruelty and bigotry and dishonesty and corruption and made it the air we breathe. Like we're kind of the, the frogs in the pot of boiling water where it's just gotten hotter and hotter and hotter and we're just kind of used to it. And I think it's really, you know, I'm very scared for the future of our democracy yeah, if we don't yeah. elect a new president. So that makes me very nervous. But in terms of what gives me hope, what gives me hope are, man, the people of Wisconsin and that election, you know, <laughs> yeah. Seeing people lined up for hours and hours, wearing masks, looking terrified, but they showed up and they they voted. And that made me feel so hopeful and optimistic. I think the determination of people to end this nightmare, I think it's so real. And I also just think in the last few years, seeing the rise of so many extraordinary young people, like the Parkland, Florida students, you know, and all of their allies that they've worked together with fighting for gun control, you know, Greta Thunberg, this young environmentalist, and she's stepping up. And, you know, that whole Mrs. Obama, when they go low, we go high, yep. which was her line. I did not write that. She wrote it. Um, <laughs> that, you know, people say to me, oh, that's so naive. Totally disagree. Yeah. Like I see the people who the people who go high are breaking through, whereas when you go low, you're just part of the white, the white noise of ugliness and you're never going to go lower than that worst guy, right? You're not like, yeah, you're not yeah. going to be, they're always going to find a new depth. Exactly. Like they, <laughs> you just, you can't be that bad. So don't try to compete in a game that you don't want to win, like play a different game. And so I feel just, I feel a lot of, I feel a lot of hope about this upcoming election. So we'll see. We'll yeah, see. Awesome. All right. Lightning round. Here are some, some admittedly goofy questions, but <laughs> uh, well, not all of them are goofy. Some of them are. All right. So are you ready? Yes. All right. What is the best Babysitter's Club or Sweet Valley High book? <gasps> oh, my gosh. Love you guys. <laughs> I, I mean, that's really hard to choose. I think um, the one I remember vividly is the one where there was like a ghost in the house that Don and Stacy's 
blended family were sharing and Dawn committed this prank. It was a long story, but it was cool that there was a ghost in it. So that's, I think that one. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> what is, this is more serious. Uh, what is your favorite person in the Torah? Ooh, I really love Moses. Mm-hmm. He gets, he's so real and human and filled with self doubt and so frustrated at this, these disobedient Israelites. And yet he just like slogs through and keeps going. And I just, I have such admiration for him. What is your beverage of choice? Water. water. I'm, I'm just a water girl. Excited. It's the first time we've ever gotten that answer. I've been drinking about 100 ounces a day, so I get it. <laughs> and I feel great. Hydration's important, okay? It really it's important. is. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Do you have one, Brad? Yeah, so can you think of one speech that you wrote either for Barack or Michelle that was your favorite? Like, you went home that night and you're like, I killed that. You know, oh, I loved writing for them. There were so many I loved writing. I would say uh, Mrs. Obama's final commencement address, which was to the City College of New York uh, in New York City. There's a school with like huge immigrant population, 150 nationalities. These kids speak 100 languages. Wow. It's a commuter school, so they commute two or three hours a day. They're working like two or three jobs. And, you know, to see Mrs. Obama, first African-American first lady, standing in front of this group of like striving, dreaming immigrants and giving a speech, which is about how our diversity is our greatest strength, about how immigrants have always made our nation great. Like that, that was awesome. And it was especially awesome because my grandmother had always wanted to go to college and law school. And when her family first came to America from Eastern Europe, they settled in New York. And so they thought like, oh, we'll get to, you know, the city college system accepts women and Jews and people without money. And she thought like I could go. But then her family left New York. So my grandmother never got to go to college. And she like always wanted to be a lawyer and work in politics. Uh-huh. And so they like two generations later, I am a lawyer who works in politics, rolling up with the first lady of the United States to the city college of New York. And I just thought like, man, it was awesome. It was awesome. What is the last album you listened to start to finish? Oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. Um, Please be Taylor Swift. It's been a really long time. Maybe Sufjan Stevens. I just don't listen to music. So oh, maybe yeah. Sufjan Stevens, actually. I mean, we're talking like 15 years ago. Yeah, probably sure. The last time I, yeah, I think it would be him. Nice. Um, do you have a favorite TV show of all time? Oh, that's rough. Um, okay, so I would say. The West Wing, probably, and also. <laughs> Man, I mean, that is on, so like, cliche. So obvious. I know it's like so obvious, <laughs> right? You're like really. I also love Sherlock, and I love Black Mirror. Oh, love I Black love Mirror. Black Mirror. It's yeah, dude. They've predicted all the things. I tried it's... to watch the fourth season, and I couldn't. It was too stressful. Yeah. I it was like, not now, not now, too soon. Well, the <laughs> the main uh, guy who who writes for um, Black Mirror, he just came out, uh, I think, in the last couple of weeks, and said that he's not working on a sixth season because reality is too sad. He's oh like, no! He's like, uh, <laughs> no. we're in it right now. Wait, wait in the way to end this on a yeah. downer, Michael. Really <laughs> <I'm> sorry. Um, <laughs> If you could have one super strength, what would it be? Or uh, one superpower, I guess. Is, is there, super strength is an option. Invisibility, <laughs> the ability to fly. I think I would love to be able to go without sleep. It would just be much more time. I could like watch all the TV I missed. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think spoke, that would be cool. Spoken like somebody that spent eight years in the White House. <laughs> I know, exactly, right? <laughs> oh, man. 
All right. Um, okay, so everyone needs to go and buy the book. Um, it's called Here All Along, Finding Meaning, Spirituality, and a Deeper Connection to Life in Judaism uh, After Finally Choosing to Look There. Um, buy the book, buy the book. Where can, else can people find you online? Oh, so I am at, I have a website, which is Sarah Hurwitz, just S-A-R-A-H-U-R-W-I-T-Z.net, sarahurwitz.net. And there are actually discussion guides for my book on my website, which I'm, I'm very into people just reading this in community, even if it might be just like oh, nice. your roommate or your partner or could be your, you know, a group with your church or with your friend, whatever. Like that's, I love people just like reading it together and kind of sharing it. So that's, that's what the discussion guides are for. Wonderful. Hey, can I just say this has been one of the most enjoyable interviews we've done in a while. Yeah. So, right back at you. you. Seriously, you guys are awesome. You have, like you have a standing, you have a standing invitation. So like yeah. if you Uh-oh. ever are thinking, <laughs> I'd love to talk about, whatever fill in the blank seriously send us a message and we will make it happen so thank you i so appreciate that and i may take you up on this this is really a joy you guys are awesome awesome thank you so much and thank you uh, we'll talk to you soon sounds great thanks so much guys awesome now that we puked in your seat can tell us what you think The five stars get red But one star Except is for dead, this dead. They're dead To us Feedback Always helpful when you do that Um I don't know how to access our iTunes <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I tried. Uh, he it doesn't know how, and I don't care. It doesn't. So. It hasn't. It doesn't work like it used to two years ago when I looked at them, uh, or three, however long it's Who been. Cares? So leave a five star yeah, or don't. Le- Who cares? Yeah, I mean, yeah, whatever. Listen to that interview with Sarah, and then leave a five star because that was worth it alone. So yeah. I think they've already listened to the interview at this point. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. Unless somebody skipped it, and if you skipped it. Fuck you. Go back and listen. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck's wrong with you? All right. Uh, I've got some feedback. Uh, oh, yeah. Feedback. Twitter. That's what we're doing. Right uh, T.O. At Knowles underscore TK. T. At dot Podcast. O dot. The real third way is finding the sweet on the salty of hashtag corn lips. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> You're a gross person. Uh, Josh. Yeah, yeah, I think we talked about this before, but how do you guys feel about creamed corn? I like creamed corn. No, I, when I was a kid, I hated it. My mom made me eat it. Now oh, I, I can loved eat it. it. I can eat nope. it now. I hated I, it as a kid. But I loved it as a kid, and I don't think I've had it since I was a kid. I, I mean, mean, it's a it's a text it's a textural I've never nightmare. Never liked it. Yeah, it tastes good, but it's a textural nightmare. You kind of have to get around that. Never liked it. Um, Joshua Massey at I am Mister underscore Wayne. Uh, the pa- the hashtag Mr. jingle Wayne. has been stuck in my head all day. And it makes me think of hashtag corn lips every damn time. <laughs> Fuck y'all for that. Uh, Peter M. Olson at Banished Cougar. Mary Kate Nashley's brother? Yep. Uh, pirates are, to- are tropical goths. Hashtag shower thoughts. Hashtag corn lips. Hashtag epitode 208. And then he's got two more. Uh, jellyfish are wet ghosts. Hashtag shower <laughs> thoughts. Hashtag corn lips. Hashtag... Epitode 208. Gosh, corn lips. It's so gross. God damn. Disgusting. Um, that poor guy got fired. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it sucks. Corn lips guy yeah, got fired. Not yeah, because of the podcast, but uh, other shit. God. 
and then Peter M. Olsen again. Sans manatees are con- since wait since manatees are con- well sons. it says sans I think it's supposed to say since Renaissance. Uh, yeah. Uh, since manatees are considered the cows of the sea, does that make them sacred in India? Hashtag shower thoughts. Hashtag corn lips. <laughs> Have you guys heard a lot of stuff about seals lately? I feel no. like seals keep nope. popping up in my in do my. In, I don't want to know what's in your search feed. history to make that happen. No. I do love a good seal though. Seals I, with balls that are you know bouncing balls. Again, I don't want to know. No. no, I haven't seen any of that actually. You know, seals like they're they're ferocious, man. But you, are they? Yeah, seals are crazy, man. I don't think they're ferocious. That's what I. That's what I've heard. If you're their prey, they are. Say if you're a fish, well, yeah, or a penguin, dude. There are times when have you guys seals. heard about like fishermen when they're when they're out in the ocean and like uh, they're catching fish and fucking seals come up and try to get the fish. Yeah, but I don't think that makes them vicious. They, I think they just want to eat. Well, fish. they're fucking hungry, man. They take down boats. <laughs> you remember the video from a couple years ago of <laughs> the of boats, the little girl? Face. You remember they're the cu- fucking hungry man? Have you seen the video from a couple years ago of the girl sitting on a dock and a seal comes up out of the water and drags her into the water? Dude, oh, yeah, that was insane. It's I nuts. I mean, nothing happens. Like she ends up being fine, but like. Seals it literally them. jumps up onto the dock and rips her into the water. So like. we watched a couple different um, documentaries about on, seals. Well, what, <laughs> no, one about penguins that was actually narrated by by Ed Helms. Um, <laughs> it was on uh, on Disney Plus with the kids. And uh, I'm just gonna keep powering through here. And so the the leopard seal. It's not just the it's about, Oh yeah, it's a. So the documentary on Disney Plus. <laughs> Now that your rose is in blue, I like it's the moon on the gray. Da 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 da. da. <laughs> but did you know that when it snows, <laughs> I can't hear that song and not think of Batman Forever. Right, well, Val I mean, Kilmer, <laughs> of course. Boy, what happened to Val Kilmer? My God, <laughs> he is a, he is he ate a, a seal. <laughs> he went from man. He's, he went he from Iceman to weird obese brother of Iceman. <laughs> <laughs> uncle. He's yeah. the weird obese uncle. <laughs> Iceman's weird uncle. Yeah. I'm not going to say what I was thinking. I better not. I'm just going to, just going to, yeah. <laughs> from my mind. Can I pause? Let's do a pause and I'm to tell you what I was thinking. Hold on, wait. Be right back. And we're back. <laughs> of all the shit we've said on this podcast, and that didn't make it. Yeah. Not, oh. even, not even top ten. So. Yep, seals. They do a body good. Ask Heidi Klum. Klum. What? Klum? Wait, what? It's Klum. 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 They're not married anymore, though. Well, she knows. Yeah, she does. <laughs> I would assume. I would assume she knows she's not married to seal anymore. <laughs> God, Michael. Uh, what are we doing? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Have we done hashtag? No, yet? I think it's time for hashtag. All, right. um, all right, here we go. Uh... <laughs> That's not the hashtag song, Michael. Trying to find another button. So I hit this button until I find the other one. <laughs> what is this? Find the right button. Is this MXPX? No. <laughs> Definitely sounds like MXPX. It's not. It's Goaty Goaty Hook. Who? Goaty Hook? Sure. That was out of my radar. 
Hit really? the right button, Michael. It's good. We're going to get there, and Hit you got to hear the... Michael, it's 926. Hit the B-52s. I want to go home. Hey, can I say with that band, I thought when I was in high school, I was told it was Foshi Hook. It, it's Fish Hook. Foshi Hook. It's, it's Fish Hook. Can you turn it off, please? Do you hear the song? <laughs> yeah, I can hear the song. Do you know what song it is? No, I don't care. I can't understand. As always, it won't even is this what you guys have to do every week? It's been a while since I've been here. Michael, turn it off. My God. Michael. God in heaven. <laughs> Stop. He was covering Michael W. Smith. Friends are friends forever. <laughs> I would not have recognized that song in a million years. <laughs> well, we paid close attention and we wrote them all down. Now it's time to decide. I don't, I don't have very many at all. I've got five. Uh, I've got a few. Hashtag my baby factory. <laughs> hashtag new Matt. <laughs> Save so the, the old front Matt. runner. Uh, hashtag ghost porno. Hashtag st- state of human feces. <laughs> hashtag trainload of shit. And then hashtag weird obese brother of Iceman. <laughs> Iceman, if he ate Iceman. <laughs> Who what, what was the guy that uh, Al, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was in the Batman movie? Was that Iceman too? Yeah. No, what was, he no, was Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze. Yeah. And yeah. then... Uh, who was the? Oh, I missed a freeze. Who was Samuel L. Jackson in uh, uh, the uh, the what? superhero show in The Incredibles? Oh, Frozone. Oh, Frozone. Frozone. Yeah, yeah, Frozone. Have them all mixed. I love in the Wait, is my super I love suit? The all three movies. of those guys. I just watched the, the second one. one. I watched the mind. second one with Miles the other day. I it's love so that good. movie. Yeah. I love them both. You got any, Josh? Yeah. Uh, hashtag Smoker Leland. <laughs> Guys, uh, J- Jason Isbell and G Unit. <laughs> uh, Michaela asks, "You up? You up? Um, equal opportunity Hooters." Uh, <laughs> I like that. F- full Patrick Swayze. Trainloads of shit and Seal does a body good. <laughs> Trainload of feces. Uh, I've got uh, hashtag Baby Factory. <laughs> Hashtag collab with G Unit. Hashtag new Matt. I've got uh, it's gonna be new Matt. Gotta be new Matt. Train loads of shit. <laughs> it's gonna be new Matt because it will piss it him off. It makes fun of me so and bad. pisses off piss off his. It'll piss Matt. him off so bad. We have to do it. And then also uh, cool for Indiana. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think it's got to be new, it's Matt. new Matt. Absolutely, new Matt. I can already. I'm just picturing the text. <laughs> Fuck you guys! This is bullshit, you guys. You Fuck you. What's great is that's gonna come in the in the message thread for you three instead of the one with me. In it. We'll take a screenshot of it and send Please it to you. Do. <laughs> Fuck you guys. My tummy was upset. We were all Meet the new boss. Same as the old boss. What if Matt dies of coronavirus? He's not going to die of coronavirus, Michael. Stop Well, it. we don't know He's that. medically frail. Yeah. Oh, man. Medically frail is another one that would have been pretty good. Yeah, I think that was off the that podcast. Was a, that was an off. Oh, it was. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Damn right. it. I, I am medically frail in case anyone wants to know. Send me meds to keep me awake. 
Uh, if you've listened to this episode in its entirety, also hit us up. spiritually frail. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> That's accurate. On the uh, on social media with hashtag hashtag At drunk church history. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Edit new that out. Matt. New Matt. <laughs> uh, We're on Twitter at Pastors Podcast. At the JM Casey. At MJ Basinger. Uh, we are on Facebook.com slash Pastors Podcast. Uh, Patreon.com slash Pastors Podcast. Uh, we'll buy Sarah's book. Hot content. But yeah, buy Sarah, uh, Sarah's book. Um, get all the new hot content on Pastors Pub. Uh, we got Time Machine, Pastors Do Merton, Dick Pounder's Grief, Hymns uh, of Reconstruction, all, all the good shit, our mediocre shit. Um, that's fair. Yeah. Jizzmuzzle.com. You guys still own that one? I think so. Uh, maybe. Who cares? I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. I, 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 don't, I don't remember if I renewed it or I want to live in a world in which you still own Jizzmuzzle.com. Well, we'll find out. Somebody else is going to do it. It's going to redirect to the Liturgist podcast. <laughs> 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 All right, so long. Thanks for all the fish. See you next week. Maybe. Matt's not dead, by the (laughs) way. Lord willing and the crick don't rise. (laughs) Oh, God.